Well, hello. Welcome back to Cloisterbell Podcast. How's it going? You alright, Liam? We're yeah, back. Og. Yeah, we're back. Back Og after a, a two-week hiatus. Uh, yes, especially uh, especially in the last podcast where we made a point of going, we'll, we'll, we'll try to aim for the weekly thing. It's like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe next week. Maybe next week, yeah, yes. Right. <laughs> so yeah, w- welcome welcome back to the Cloisterbell Podcast. Uh, yeah, we we laugh at the government. We are probably wanted by the police. Um, I don't know. Um, I'm trying to do a parody of the the Torchwood opening. No, no, uh, I, I could see what you were doing. I thought it was going quite well. Living an unforeseen life on Earth and harming the human race in the future. Yeah. With this podcast, the 21st century is where it all changes. Liam, are you ready? I uh, have been for the last 23 years. Yeah. Oh. Um, this music's going on quite a well. This is the longest pre-roll we've had in a little while. Um, do we just talk till till the music's over, or should we hit credits? I don't know. I mean, it's uh, it's quite uh, you know, <laughs> adrenaline pumping stuff. Yeah. What if we do some? Um... Well, I've just closed it now, so we might as well um, just just cue the credits. Yeah. All right. Then. Uh, I've messed up. <laughs> Cloister Bell. Imminent disaster. The Cloister Bell? Yes. What's that? Well, it's a sort of communications device reserved for wild catastrophes and sudden calls to man the battle stations. That's the Cloister Bell. Don't worry about that for now. It's not really terribly significant. The Cloister Bell? Oh no. So, yes, hello everyone. This is Cloister Bell Podcast. I'm Liam, he's Rob. It's a Doctor Who podcast, but. Hang on, what? What did I say? I thought you got our names the other way around. Oh, did I? You did that once, and we cut it out. Stupidly. <laughs> yeah, but we'll oh. keep this one in. It's amusing. Anyway, yeah. sorry, Rob. Carry on. Um, I've lost my train of thought. Oh, oh yeah. Um, yeah, it's a Doctor Who podcast. Today, we're talking about Torchwood. Deal with it. We're on episode three. <laughs> Ghost Monument. Ghost Monument? No. Ghost Machine. <laughs> well, you're all right, Rob. Um... I'm just around to go. <laughs> I'm never okay. Oh, right, okay. Yeah. Anyway, how are you doing? I'm okay, are you? Uh, I think so. All right. We just said you weren't. You're not making much sense. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's new? <laughs> uh, so, uh, how how's your how's your week been? Yeah, it's uh it's it's been quite good. Um just been cracking on with work as uh, as usual, but uh been um since since the last podcast uh recovering from the laser eye surgery, my eyesight it, it's still not 100% but it's much improved. It's it's getting better every good to hear. Yeah. Um so I'm back to to reading properly. Um so um I've just finished reading uh The Two Towers from Lord of the Rings. Uh, which I enjoyed. I think I'm in terms of the books. I think I think I may prefer it over the Fellowship. But I mean, it's all good. And obviously, it's all part of the the same uh, story. Yeah. And Tolkien himself, um, his opinion was: don't re- don't regard them as separate books. It's all it's all supposed to be one long thing. He's like, yeah, yeah, fair enough. But sod that, you know. So, um, so I'm reading. Um, so 
read Fellowship of the Rings, enjoyed that, took a bit of a break, read other stuff, came back to the Towers, enjoyed that. So I'm reading other stuff. And at the moment, I'm going through a um, a Watergate binge. Because um, of all the American presidents, I think it's Richard Nixon who interests me the most. And um, so I'm reading... So I read Bob Woodward's and Carl Bernstein's um, All the President's Men uh, last month. And I ordered this book ages ago and it finally just arrived uh, a couple of days ago. So I made a start. It's called The Final Days. And that's the uh, behind-the-scenes account of Richard Nixon's last days in the White House. And I've just started it and it's going into an awful lot of detail, uh, which is what I'm after. I'm really enjoying it so far. I'm only a few chapters in. Um but it's it's going it's incredibly well written as well. It's really engaging. But Watergate seems to be one of those things which it's like even you may think that you know everything about it, but it's the story which just keeps on giving. Uh, so this book uh, which I've got here it begins with a chrono- um, introduction, list of all the major players and everything. Then it begins with a chronology, and I never knew this uh, that how how early the bugging started, and all the wiretapping. It wasn't right. just linked with Watergate. So, um, Richard Nixon is inaugurated as the 37th president of the US on January the 20th, 1969. Right? And then yeah. the second point after that is May the 12th, 1969. So, it's only a few months into his presidency. The first of 17 national security wiretaps on White House aides and newsmen is installed following newspaper disclosure of the secret bombing of Cambodia. So the wiretapping of White House aides and newsmen begins five, well, just shy of five months into his presidency. That's how early all this stuff starts. Right. But of course, I mean, all this stuff isn't unique to Richard Nixon. If you think that Richard Nixon was the first president who was into wiretapping and all the rest of it, then you're way off the mark. The only thing that we know about this is because everything was everything was revealed. And what's really interesting about this, it's sort of, all this investigation into Watergate happens. And then the big question emerges is, well, did the president know about it? And if he did, uh, how complicit was he? Was he involved in the cover-up and, and all the rest of it? And just think of going, if only there were taped conversations of this. And he's going, yes, there is. And that's really what does it. It's fa- Anyway, it's fascinating. I knew about the, the tapes, which really... But anyway, so of all the taped conversations within the White House... And his attempts to, you know, they get subpoenaed. And there's that mm-hmm. big question of going, why didn't he destroy the tapes prior to their being subpoenaed? And anyway, uh, so I'm reading that and I'm finding it, I'm really, really enjoying it. So that's where I'm at at the minute. And then um, I've been wanting to get back to the cinema now that I can see. Uh, yes. I, I was really wanting to see the film Tar, uh, which is a film it's only recently released in the, U- uh, the UK. Uh, America got it uh, late last year. Uh, starring Kate Blanchett, and really wanted to see it. It only got released on the 18th of January. It hasn't been out for a full month, and I can't see it at the cinema. Oh, no. I hate the, it when that happens. The window sailed, because uh, obviously I was recovering from laser eye surgery. But yeah. it, it, it's, re- it's like, it wasn't even the cinemas, even for a month. Mm. And I just th- that's really not good enough. I'm not happy. No, things get pulled really quickly when they underperform. I don't think it was underperforming. That was the thing. Um, I mean, obviously, it's all relative. If yeah. you're comparing it to like, um, um, like a superhero movie, then obviously that's that. You know, 
that's massive bums on seats. But for the type of um, psychological drama that, it, from what I can gather, it is a uh, lot of interest. People still going. You know, it, it hasn't been it hasn't been a box office bomb, and and so still it's uh, yeah. So I'm not really impressed with that. The fact that it wasn't even you know didn't even reach a month in the UK. Oh, damn it! Yeah, I know, annoying, but oh well. But to relieve my frustration, one thing I have been doing is playing Hitman, um, which isn't new. I've been playing Hitman, but fairly recently there was this big update. Um, And what you can do is uh, all the the levels of Hitman have been sort of repurposed. And it's all about getting uh, secret cartels. Um, And you can't save. So once you start a level, you've got to play it all the way through. How long is the session on there? It sort of varies, really. I mean, I've been quite good. I would say probably an hour tops. Right. Is sort of like, but obviously, the, the further you go into it, the the more uh, the difficulty level will ramp up. And what it is, you've got your own hideout, and with each level, you're able to um, uh, improve your hideout and so on. But what ends up happening is, and you're building all your equipment. But if you fail on the mission, then your equipment gets taken away, and you have to start from scratch. And so that's oh. the thing of going, do not fail. Um, after a few couple of slip ups at the, be- uh, the beginning, I haven't I haven't failed yet, so I'm slowly building up my head. Nice, nice. All the rest of it, so I'm enjoying that. How about you, Rob? Um, with regards to video games, I uh, have been playing a bit of GTA, um, oh, just right, to pass okay. the time, going over missions because I've completed the story a long time ago. Played through it on PS3, got it on PS4, played through it there. Mm-hmm. Um, but with all the missions, you need to either achieve bronze, silver, or gold. So you replay the missions um get you that higher ranking. Um, um but occasionally I might just think, well I've only got ten minutes to go on here. I'll just activate the cheats. Um and just yeah. go crazy. Just go just go killing people. I know that sounds disturbing. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> just start a war. Yeah, it's, it's, it's only yeah. pixels, it's fun. Yeah. yeah. Um very realistic pixels, but you know. <laughs> Never mind. Well, I'm not one to talk. I mean, I'm I'm going around on Hitman killing killing people as well. But it's you know, it's, yeah. It's... Difference is I'm walking around with like a glass bottle or something. But yeah, yeah. The only difference is it's sort of like you're going around massacring people, and I'm sort of like doing it stealthily and in a yeah. suit. Yes. So it's a bit more classy. B- but that's a bit the, more that's humane. What, that's yeah. a, it's only different. Yeah. So I've been watching a few things. I've watched you. A bit, what? <laughs> Through the window. Through the window. Um, no, on Netflix, it's on to its fourth season. Um, they've released season four, part one, which was a uh, um, only a bunch of episodes, maybe six or eight episodes. Um, not enjoying it as much. It's fine. So this is a series called You. Yes. And uh, so what's it about? Well, let's go back to season one. Um, it's about a guy who works in a bookstore. So far, so but- good. Yep. He gets, he kind of gets obsessed with people. So there'll be a girl you'll be obsessed with, and there's no limits to um, how far you'll go with stalking or stealing stuff or or spying on or whatever. You know, as lo- as long as the other person doesn't know about it, he justifies that as being oh. fine. Um, so, so is this a bit like one hour photo, but set in a photo uh, in a? Uh, I don't know what that is. Oh right, okay. Well, it, uh, it's a it was a film that came out, I think maybe two thousand one, two, maybe three. I don't know. But anyway, so much 
the early noughties. And it had Robin Williams, and he played a um, uh, a photo developer. So you remember the days when you had to sort of like go into go go to so, go somewhere, yeah, and develop your photos. Well, he's one and of those then, dudes, right? Um, but what it is is that there's a, there's a family, and he develops their photos uh, for them, and he kind of gets obsessed right. uh, because in his because he's a he's a loner, and he looks upon them as being the absolute perfect family. And he's developing their photos, and then if 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 memory serves, what ends up happening is he finds out it's not the perfect family, um, because I think the, the the husband's having an affair or something like that, and he, and this really disturbs him, and so it, it it's already been obsessional and slightly stalkerish, right. but it really sort of like ramps up. It's a uh, and Robin Williams gives a great chilling performance, and it's, you wouldn't it, want to be stalked by Robin Williams, no. But uh, yeah, it's a it's a very good film. Anyway, it just reminded me of that. All right, um, it's hard to find things I'd compare it with. I was almost going to say Dexter, but he's not like Dexter at all because Dexter really gets off on the killings, whereas Joe doesn't. Um, oh, he kills. He does kill. He's a killer. He's oh. got a Hannibal Lecter style vault in under under the bookshop. Nice. Yeah, really nice. Um, and. They're actually based on books. Um, I'm guessing the first person because he narrates the show as his thoughts. So he's got this kind of internal monologue. Um, in some ways, I kind of empathise with this character. Oh, it's like me, <laughs> apart from the obsession and the, all the killing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm pleased you cleared that up. Right, okay. Um, but I guess I'll not go into spoilers. Or, or do you not care? Um, I've got to admit, I'm slightly intrigued. Although... Y- so hang on, did you did you say that you enjoyed the you're enjoying it, but did you enjoy the first series more than the second? I enjoyed the first season mm. because of how the first season concluded. I was reluctant to go into the second season. I enjoyed it. Third season followed on from that. Um, fourth season is a new stage of his life. Um, so I'm kind of reluctant to kind of take on board new characters and stuff and. I'm sure it'll get good, but <laughs> meh. Bit meh. All right. Um, that aside, I've been watching The Last of Us, which is based on the PS4 games mm-hmm. with uh, Pedro Pascal. He's done quite a few things, um, mainly like Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. Um, have you watched The Last of Us or played it? Uh, I played the first game. Um, okay. I haven't played the second and I know that a lot of people really you know I know the second game has a uh, a lot of people really love it and I think so, uh, a lot of people say that they think it's better than the first and all the rest of it so I know it's a good game but uh, I haven't played it yet right. oh, if, well, if well, um, but I played the first one yeah I haven't played it I've probably played it briefly or played the demo back on the PS3 but I can barely remember right okay the show's quite good Um, I guess it would be Um. Yeah, I'm, I'm hearing. Uh, I have heard really good things about it, and a lot of people are citing it as it's it's must must watch television. Although I have heard some people go, it's good, but I don't think it's must watch. But I know that you know people are really enjoying it. Um, a lot of people were citing. I think it's the opening scene as being really chilling. Yeah, and that's actually been uploaded onto YouTube, and I went, all right, okay, I'll, I'll watch that. Uh, which is. I think it's set in the late 60s or the early 70s as a talk show. Yeah. And there's two scientists or two doctors talking. 
and one and one of them uh they're talking about viruses and if if they pose a major threat and one of them actually says no actually the thing that we should really be concerned about is fungus and having played uh the game i knew where that was coming from and went oh right, okay yeah yeah spores get it um i know it's it you know and it was a good scene um i don't know whether i found it as chilling as other people found it though but no he was just kind of um yeah the, the silence of the audience um I, do you think that would happen in reality he's not in he's not exactly fear-mongering this apocalypse he's just yeah he's just talking yeah. about mushrooms just, yeah um uh, and then I take it. Uh, am I right in thinking that obviously that that's the that's the introduction, and then af- that goes into the titles, and then does it cut to the present? Um, it cuts to when the events kind of kick off, which is like early two thousands. I'm gonna say two thousand three. Right. Okay. Uh, so that's the start of it, and the aftermath is then present day. So yeah, it'll be. 2003 then 20 years later 2023 right okay got you and we follow the two the two main characters um eventually Mm -hmm. i wouldn't say it's gory um it's perhaps a bit thrilling and emotional in some ways but okay um yeah yeah i'd label it as a as a it was one of those must watch shows i i wouldn't quite agree with some of the reviews where where they say no it's a masterpiece that kind of thing but <laughs> it's really good though no oh, good well, I'm enjoying, enjoying it I'm intrigued to kind of go back to the games and check them out I've been trying to catch up on season 2 of Star Trek Picard I know it came out a year ago probably but it's taken me this long to work through like all 9 episodes <laughs> right okay Um, the third season drops I think it's today in the US tomorrow in, in the UK okay so, um, what's next on the agenda? Anything you want to talk about before we move on to Torchwood? Any news or anything? Um, well, I remember last week um, you said that we didn't end up doing it, but I think you said that you you wanted us to talk about um, something Doctor Who 60th anniversary related. But that might be a bit spoilery. So should we? Do, I'm going to write because uh, we said we'll do that, and then we forgot. So oh I'm yeah, gonna... so we've got this new bit that we're <laughs> planning to do, where we can talk about spoilers maybe at the end of the podcast after we roll the credits. Yeah. Um, so I'm just I'm just uh, jotting down on a post-it. Uh, yeah. Don't lose a... it. Yeah, well, it's a, it's a if if we forget, uh, then it means that the laser eye surgery hasn't worked because it's a big yellow poster. I'm sticking it right in front of me, and there's no way we should forget. Right? Uh, are your eyes it, are your eyes a hundred percent? No, no, but uh, Nelly, I mean, it's I mean the poster. There's a good chance you'll see it. Yeah, I mean, it's right within my eye line. Yeah. <laughs> so if I mean, I used to stick post-its all over the laptop saying. Don't say M. <laughs> right, okay. Yeah, I'll still say it. Yeah. Just flow, just be natural. It's fine. It's sure. good. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I was just trying to think. So, anyway, we- we'll have that chat at the end, uh, at the very end, after the credits, as you said. Um, Should we give Chris and Peter mention from Pull to Open? Oh, yes, of course, definitely. Since we last recorded, um, we were then guests on 
Pull to Open podcast mm-hmm. with Pete and Chris. And each episode, they run the randomizer, which pulls out a, an episode for them to go and revisit. They invited us on. And it was the 10th Doctor special, The Waters of Mars. Yeah. It was really, really nice chatting to them. Oh, yeah. Very, very, very much so. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, uh, to, to, uh, because it, they're both in the States. Uh, and I've been listening to the podcast and every, uh, um, and everything. And it is a very good podcast. It's one I recommend. So listeners, if you haven't listened to the Pull to Open podcast, do give a, do give it a listen. It is very good. Honoured to be guests on it and had a great time doing it. Um, but yeah, it turns out that Chris is from our neck of the woods. I just assumed that, you know, American. And uh, prior to recording the podcast, we you know, we were having a chat and introduction and everything like that. And it's like, oh, where are you from? So like, well, we're from uh, Newcastle, the northeast of England. I then go straight into the automatic thing of explaining the geography of England and where, where Newcastle <laughs> is in relation to London. Or it's like, no, no, I know where that is. I'm from Chester East. Yeah. <laughs> I felt really embarrassing. So I right, okay. But yeah, no, um, I, I honestly had no idea. No, I didn't. But no, no, yeah, I, it was just that thing of so just close, yeah. uh, just assuming he he yeah he was from America and just. Yeah being patronizing and going away from newcastle and they're just going into that no it's like no i know where that is it's fine good yeah uh, but yeah it was great i really really enjoyed it, it yeah was, it was a good podcast chesterly street is from though um when i was very young i used to think bloody loads of people live on that street <laughs> <laughs> did you think that yeah well I, I it's not it a street a, it's no, a place no, it's yeah it's a place um i thought it was the longest bloody street in the world i so did that. no no you're not the only one <laughs> It's it's the name of the place. It's just Chester Lee Street. It must be a huge street <laughs> where everybody lives. Sounds like the beginning of a, like a children's program or something. Yeah. Um, I th- funnily enough, even though it's pretty much only it's not that far from where we live, I think I've only been to Chester Lee Street once, and there is right. a Doctor Who connection. It was with my grandparents, and uh, there was a car boot sale uh, that we went to when we were there. So a little bit more of the area, but we went to this car boot sale, and they had uh, someone was selling the VHS of the Curse of Fenric. Mm. Okay. Uh, so obviously I wanted that, and my my grandmother bought me it, which was nice. nice. That's good. Was it it's nice funny. weather? Um, it was it was all right. Uh, mm. It didn't rain. It, I think That's it was good. slightly it was slightly overcast. Oh. Um, I love car boot sales. Yeah. In fact, funnily enough, um, I want to go back. It's been. It's been a good few years since I was at a uh, Timemouth uh, Market. Oh, should we go to Timemouth Market? Oh, wait, yeah. what day is it on? Is it just a Sunday or is it Saturday as well? No, no, it's uh, it's both. It's it's during the weekend. So Saturday right. and Sunday. Oh, I could probably do it with Saturday sometime. Yeah, well, yeah, definitely. We should yeah. do it. Meet up and... Uh... Yeah. Yeah. Actually, yeah, that sounds like a good... Uh, well, we're meaning in Europe in general anyway. Uh, yeah, let's do that. Let's make a plan. Yeah. I bet it's changed a lot. I remember when we were younger, you know, stay safe, kids. But um, I remember just getting, like, you could get knives there. I remember... <laughs> we're going to give uh, listeners a really dodgy impression of this. Um, it's it's really nice. Timemouth uh, Metro Station is a train station. It's... It, Dates to the Victorian era. There's lots of right, uh, lots of iron work. It's really beautiful. And a few years back, they they spent millions on renovating it and, and getting it up to scratch. Really beautiful. And every weekend, uh, there's markets. 
mm-hmm. and lovely markets. Uh, people selling uh, the secondhand goods. It can be bric-a-brac, ornaments, uh, handmade stuff, books, you know, name it. There are some um, really nice stores selling traditionally made food. Um, last time I went, which I said it was a few years ago, but they had some really nice... Um, there was one store that was selling really nice cheese. Um, so mm-hmm. that was good. So it's pretty much, it's got everything. and It's, it's lovely. It is a nice place to go. Yeah. Um, so I just want to emphasize, <laughs> it's a really nice place before we go. Yeah, I remember, I don't think it will be there now, but <laughs> I know that there were a lot of, you know, there were quite a few stores when we were younger that would sell war memorabilia. And you go, that's absolutely fine. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, war memorabilia. I remember seeing like you could get like a Nazi helmet with a bullet hole in it. <laughs> yeah, well, that was that was gonna go, you know, so you could get uh, all the rest of it. And but there was a good couple of stores that were selling quite a bit of Nazi memorabilia. Yeah. Uh, just like, okay. That's mind blowing. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> was that a pun, Rob? No, not intended. Ah, well, there you go. Um, but <laughs> yeah, but the funny thing is because um, it's it was that bit of. It's that, it's that bit of the market, Rob. You know when um, it's sort of like at the very top when it starts to tail off, and it's sort of it, it's not the the prestigious position that you would want if you were mm-hmm. if you had your own store. Right off to the side. Yeah, right off to the side, right up to the top. <laughs> um, yeah, and you would have these two stores selling Nazi memorabilia. Mem- mem- <laughs> you go, what's going on here? Yeah. Um, and it just reminds me of that episode of Father yeah. Ted. All oh, right. <laughs> I'm just looking. I've got I've got a scar on my small finger from that knife I bought from there. Oh, so you actually uh, bought a knife? Well, hang on. When gonna, you were a kid? Well, no. This is gonna um, make my mother sound horrible. But um, <laughs> I was I was at Time of Market. I was there with another one of our friends as well. Okay. And I said to my mum, "Well, we've got like we've got a couple of quid each. Will you go over there and buy us these knives?" So she did. I cut. I, you know, she sounds like the worst mom in the world now. <laughs> it was fine back in the but, day. You know, Every, were... all, every mother was buying their son's knives. It was normal yeah. back then. So it, they were really like, it looked, it would fold out of the handle. And it was looked really vicious, like some Klingon like weapon. Um, but yeah, <laughs> you just, I just walked around with that in my sock. And I remember I was building a den um, down by the allotments, down at the back of yours. Oh, yes, I know uh, what you mean. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I was just getting like branches and making twine out of grass and cutting it and making traps to protect the den. And then the the knife went into my pinky finger. <laughs> right. And then, then I made a makeshift bandage out of leaves and grass. And it's <laughs> just scarred <laughs> to this day. <laughs> wow. Okay. Um, yeah, well, you know, survival techniques. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, um, going down a rabbit hole here. So, uh, shall we move on to Torchwood? <laughs> yeah, yeah, go on. Then. So that's the reason we're here. So, um, I'm going to refer to the unofficial guide to Series 1 from Telus Publishing, as usual. Okay. Um, researched and written by Stephen James Walker, to give him credit. Um, so we haven't had to do any prep today. We'll just refer to all his hard work. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. So, um, yeah, episode three of Torchwood, Ghost Machine, um, written by Helen Raynor. It was released on the 29th of October, 2006. Um, The plot is 
Torch would pursue a fleeing hoodie, Bernie Harris, um, and Gwen retrieves from him an alien object, a machine that allows the user to view ghost-like images um, of emotionally charged incidents from the past. The machine later causes Owen to experience a harrowing vision of an old unsolved crime, the rape and murder of a young woman, Lizzie Lewis, in 1963. Um, and he seeks out the perpetrator, the now elderly Ed Morgan. The team then recover the second half of the machine, which affords visions of possible futures. And this leads Gwen to believe that Owen may be going to kill Bernie, Uh, with a knife. In the event, however, Morgan kills himself by walking into the knife in her hands. So that's a complete summary of the story. Mm -hmm. Um, So the, aside from the main cast, the additional cast for this episode, Gareth Thomas as Ed Morgan. Mm -hmm. Um, Ben McKay as Bernie. Oh, no, he's called Sean Harris. It's just like, they're just calling Bernie, don't they? Bernie Harris, I'm going to bloody kill you. That sounded a bit Australian. <laughs> G'day, Bernie. <laughs> are, they the, are they the main supporting characters? Oh, we have um, Jonathan Normington as Tom Flanagan. I don't know if he's the young one or the old one. I know because Christopher Elson plays a young Ed Morgan. Sorry, I'm going completely off the rails here. Ah. Christopher Green plays young Tom Flanagan. Mm. So that's some of the spawn cast. I don't need to go into the mains, do I? <laughs> no, we know we know who all they are. Oh, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so the episode kicks off with a bit of a chase scene. Um, you like that, Liam? Bit of an exciting, fast-paced chase. Um. <laughs> <laughs> right. I could see what they were trying to do. Um. Uh, yeah, it doesn't. It, for, for me, it's sorry to start off things on a negative, but um, it's like I, it seems like one of those things of going. Look, I know that it's on a bit of a budget, but at the same time, I did think it looked for what it was ridiculously cheap. Yeah, but you know, I don't mind that. What I really do, what I did think was a bit rum about it was um. Some of the camera angles. Oh, what's the name of the character? She's the one who's dealing with all the surveillance. Tosh. Tosh. Yes, sorry. Um, I thought she had some very unflattering camera angles. Although at right. the same time, she was pulling some very odd facial expressions, I thought. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I thought that was a bit odd. Um, there, were, there were a couple of moments where, you know, because the, 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 they're running and uh, it's busy and there's people around. Um, so they're, they're doing the chase and they're... You know, they're you know, people are getting in the way and there's all this argy-bargy and all the rest of it. It, it doesn't flow. It doesn't look natural. It yeah. looks like, right, okay, what we'll do is we'll just bundle you all together to get you in this tight shot and then just... I, do you know what I mean? It just it yeah. doesn't, it doesn't quite... It doesn't look right. It doesn't. I've got a fact about this scene. Do you want a fact? Oh, yeah, go on. Yeah. Okay. So, as scripted, the opening chase sequence was to have featured Captain Jack running with Gwen and Owen after the fleeing Bernie Harris. However... John Barrowman twisted his ankle on the hub set shortly before the sequence um, and was unable to run for about 10 days. So it had to be rewritten to have Jack join the chase uh, in the SUV. 
hang on, isn't that the chase at the end of the film? End of the film. End of the episode. Um, no, because the oh well, yeah, Jack does run. Am I? Yeah, because he's no, in no, the no, es- no. That's the 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 opening chase sequence because Tosh is talking to Jack in the SUV. Jack does run through the shopping centre though, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, he does. When he's like, open up, open up. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm wondering if because actually thinking about it from a practical point of view, the two shots because they're both night, aren't they? So you know the SUV. I'm wondering if they shot the SUV scene because you are right. I've forgotten about that. The SUV at the beginning uh, of of this uh, and at the at the and at the the bit at the end of the episode. I'm wondering if they filmed them, you know, at the same time. It would make mm. sense for logistically. So yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, the catch up with Bernie. Um, well, Gwen grabs his jacket, and mm-hmm. Gwen's like, "You know, you've got it." So the device is in there. So she grabs a hold of it, activates the device, um, and this is her ghost experience. She mm. sees this young lad, Joe Erasmus Flanagan. Like, ah, I'm lost. So um, she seems pretty haunted by that, and um, she's obviously feeling the emotions of the scene too. Loneliness yeah. and stuff like that. I thought this was good. I mean, I, I, really what it comes down to is, uh, I don't know what it is, Rob, the very how the episodes be, you know the begin with the title sequence and the the whole thing of uh we're outside we're outside the army outside the law beyond government or whatever the whatever the words were are yeah i can't take it seriously and i think i think i commented on the the last time we uh reviewed a torchwood episode i don't know what it is i just and so <sighs> it, it always yeah. yeah it always sets me off on the wrong foot when i'm watching this which is oh god this is really naff I, I don't know what it is. I can't quite explain the reason why, but I, I, I can't take it seriously. Uh, so when I'm watching a Torchwood episode, um, it always takes me a little while to get into it. So it gets me <laughs> off on the wrong. It gets me off on the wrong foot with that introduction. Just going, oh friggin' hell! Uh, then you've got this chase sequence, which uh, it doesn't quite work. And actually, really, for for what it is, it's not that complicated. So it could have been a little bit better, but. It, really it's not too bad no. so, b- but because of you know you're sitting down to watch an episode and already you're kind of like taken out of the viewing experience so it takes me a little while but by the time we get to this uh this moment um you know when she's seeing the ghost at the uh the train station how all that's done then you know now i'm in i was engrossed in it and it's like right i'm on board now mm-hmm. um so after Gwen's a bit haunted by that, they track this little kid down when they go back to the hub. So they find uh, Tom Erasmus Flanagan living in present day, alive and well. Not a, not a ghost. He seems like a nice guy. Yeah, yeah. He's had a nice life. Mm-hmm. Um, this is his home. So, um, yeah, not a ghost. No. I, I, and I quite like the scene. And I like the actor who plays him. Yeah. I thought, uh, I just like the performance. Yeah. What happens after this? Oh, I've I've made a note. Reese puts the puts the washing on. He struggles oh, a bit. That man is useless. Yeah. Men I'm are so- useless. Uh, no, we're not. I'm a man, and I know how a flipping washing machine works. I'm sorry, but if you're that old and you don't know how to use a washing machine, I mean, <laughs> I mean, he's lucky to have someone like Gwen. Put it that way, because. I wouldn't put up with someone like that. What do you mean you don't know how to use the washing machine and you're an adult? Mm. 
<laughs> rant over carry on rob yeah and well later on doesn't um he leaves her a voicemail saying well i've put the washing on but you'll need to hang it up and you've got a mountain of dishes to do yeah so i did the yeah. easy thanks bit. reese yeah thanks reese you pressed the button but <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh reese well they track down bernie in splot estate agents refer to refer to it as splow i believe <laughs> whatever that means is that i don't care carry on yeah um so bernie's got a bit of a bad rep around splot they're going they're going like ask loads of people um i mean he's he wasn't he arrested for nicking some pot noodles he owes, <laughs> he owes people stuff yeah no one's got a kind word to say yeah. about him he's a character he's not a nice man no um, so they have no luck, so they kind of walk under the bridge and they've gave up. Jack's a bit disappointed with them. Um, would you be? Were oh, you? Of what, sorry? The, the, the team's efforts to track them down. No, and it's one of those... There's a couple of occasions... I mean, we've said this uh, again in a little bit with the previous episodes of how uh, Captain Jack can just randomly just turn into an absolute dick. Yeah, why was he so concerned? He's usually like so carefree, like, eh, whatever. Yeah, and it... <laughs> yeah, and I just thought this was... Like, it's not life or death. Yeah. Like, for example, when Owen wants to find justice for Lizzie. I'm jumping ahead here. Yeah, yeah. But Jack's like, well, <laughs> it's not, not stand up in court. It's not... <laughs> Well, in all fairness, I mean, in that scene, Jack, uh, Captain Jack is actually making some good is making some good points. But the thing, the, what I took from from that scene is Owen is cre- is clearly and is clearly disturbed by what he witnessed, and yeah. there's no there's no care there. No. And you know, um, you, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know, when you've seen something as traumatic as that, you you would need some sort of support. Oh yeah. So, obviously, this happens under the bridge when Owen activates the machine. And we see the, the, the young Ed Morgan mm. um, pursuing Lizzie. Um, and, you know, he ultimately kills her. Um, but, yeah, he's a, bit of a, he's a bit of a creep. The the guy played him well, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, he did. He played it very well. Just <laughs> disturbingly so, actually. But, yeah, yeah he, he did. He, he did play that well. Yeah. So they go back to the hub and the, like examining the device so jack concludes that it's some kind of quantum something or other <laughs> yeah um i, lo- I love this is like oh i would have killed to have one of those yeah and, and then it, and then it cuts to own when she says that and it's just like yeah that's really nothing's really made of it but it's just sort of like yeah that's really insensitive insensitively yeah. phrased considering what he's just he's witnessed a murder i'd kill mm. for one of those clumsy um <laughs> But yeah, it, uh, Terry Pratchett sort of had this sort of had this joke in some of the Discworld novels. Uh, he doesn't put it in this way, but it's sort of you know when you want to, and I, I, maybe Douglas Adams did as well. But this thing of going, if you want to make something sound important and a bit complicated, you just say it's quantum. Yeah, just say it's quantum. Quantum, quantum something. Yeah, and it's, <laughs> it's sort of like this. With no the, one will ask any questions. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just quantum. <laughs> so. After after this and Owen's um, 
a bit concerned and Jack just kind of shuts him down. Jack takes Gwen to the shooting range where they shoot some weevil targets and there's a bit of inappropriate touching in the workplace. Yeah, Gwen gets sexually harassed by Captain Jack. Yeah, like she doesn't mind, clearly. And then 10 minutes later, she's a trained killer. <laughs> yeah, it was. it's one of those things of going... Um, because of where the series is going to go, it's just that thing of going, we need to... We need to see that, you know, how does she become proficient in, in shooting? Oh, right, okay. Yeah. Well, we're just shoehorning the scene in with some inappropriate touching, as you say. And yeah. then suddenly she becomes a proficient killer. Yeah. Maybe it's a bit of um teasing of her personal boundaries as well. Mm. Because obviously she kind of has an aff- has a fling. I was going to, isn't that an affair? We're fair. Oh, and later on, doesn't she? Oh, God. I can't remember now. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Rob, I can't remember. We'll get there. <laughs> right. One week. But yeah, that was a bit inappropriate. <laughs> a bit? It was a bit sort of like raising Oregon. What's going on here? Um, he, Why does he... It's really, it's really weird. <laughs> so when he's telling her to do, you know, get uh, to sort out the, the stance of stand to the side and then raise your arm... The whole thing doesn't really make much yeah. sense. I mean, that that might not have been in the script. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, it's a good point, actually. Mm-hmm. Okay, suddenly <laughs> 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 so very dirty. <laughs> Here's us thinking we're just watching it. You know, we we know what Torchwood's like, rolling at the eyes <laughs> and just going, "No, that was that was actually real sexual harassment on the on the." Just like, oh shit, Torchwood's <laughs> even more dodgy than I thought. And I thought yeah. it got worse with the uh, yeah with day one. That bloody <laughs> imagine that Russell and Chibnall they're like, well, we didn't write any sex into it. <laughs> yeah, just yeah, we just came one day and the Russians go, what the f- is this? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, what does that say about the episode day one? It's like none of us wrote that. It was, it was just meant to be us. gas. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, I can't get it. I can't. I know. I'm sorry, we moved on from it. I just cannot get over that episode day one. <laughs> Yeah. Jeez. Anyway, I think, sorry. We're talking yeah, about I think any concerns we had about the show then, I think we're enjoying this one a little bit more. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, this seems <laughs> to have, apart from this, apart from this random scene. Okay, mm, we yeah. know that Captain Jack is like flirtatious, but there's a difference between being a being a flirt, f- fine, to to whatever the f- this is. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I'm not a gun expert. I mean, sadly, I've never actually. <laughs> Fired. Sadly, <laughs> well, I mean, I wouldn't mind shooting a gun. Not at somebody. I'm not. Somebody. This is the podcast. <laughs> Maybe <but> Jack. <laughs> oh no, yeah, shoot him. No problem. I mean, for what? Yeah. Uh, no, this isn't the podcast where it's like keep, Liam yeah. reveals to everyone that actually keep yourself safe in the workplace. Yeah, secretly wants to kill someone. No, just I, I would kind of like to see what it's like. Shoot mm. a can. can. We go, is there any shooting ranges we can go to? No, we can no. go to a- axe throwing. <laughs> Yeah, it's really weird. Every now and again, that appears on the local news as something to do. Which yeah. is fine. It does look a lot of fun, but it seems a bit of an odd thing for the news to cut. <laughs> it, I'm sure it does relieve a lot of stress. Yeah. <laughs> Just throwing axes. <laughs> anyway, um, so anyway, getting back to the point I was making was, <laughs> I'm not a gun expert, and sadly I've never fired a real firearm. But it, it wouldn't have struck me as being a uh, thing of like standing to the side 
turning your head over to the like if the gun's in your right hand so so you're standing to the side the guns to the side you you turn <laughs> to face it and then raise your up it just seems an odd stance mm. um it's just the cool stance yeah it's, it's, just, a, it's just a cool stance but it's it's not basically anything real and obviously it just allows him to get a bit like uh, like move her hair out of the way <laughs> and just randomly prod her in the neck what the hell's that yeah. then he puts a hand on her hip or her ass at some point <laughs> or both yeah. doesn't really matter at this point it's, it, a line's already been crossed but um yeah it just <laughs> but as you say rob it's sort of like within the space of a couple of, like just an hour session or whatever this would have been she's suddenly become you know she's, shoot, she's shooting two guns at the same time just look at that fun but anyway yeah, yeah. <laughs> but anyway the point being is uh she's she's fine with captain jack prodding her in yeah. the neck and doing whatever mm-hmm. and now she can fire guns Good for her. Yeah. So Gwen asks Jack. Sorry, and uh, <laughs> sorry, just come back to it. I'm obsessed. What the hell? She probably doesn't mind it because it's sort of like of of everything. Like Captain Jack is like a proficient person, and she's probably thinking, "I'm with someone who doesn't even know how to know to use a fucking washing machine." Oh, the man's yeah. useless. At least, the, at least uh. this guy knows what he's doing. Mm. So yeah, actually, I get where she's coming from now. Anyway, sorry, yeah. Rob. Carry on. Well, I'm just saying, Gwen asks Jack, um, does he go home? Uh, but he kind of implies he lives there. Mm-hmm. He also implies he doesn't sleep. Yeah. I think he does sleep, though, doesn't he? Yeah. I mean, yeah. at the very least, he sleeps around. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think he did sleep. I'm yeah, pretty sure he does. Yeah. Um, but yeah didn't, thing... didn't, he, didn't he wake up in that fairy episode with, like, rose petals coming out of his mouth? What? Um, you know the episode with the fairies? Oh, yes, that episode. Uh, you had a bit of a nap in that one, yeah. Oh, probably. <laughs> oh, what I remember is obviously the fairies, and it's quite a dark episode, actually. Yeah. Yeah, but I don't remember that bit, but anyway. Yeah. So Gwen heads home. Reese has gone to Daffs to play poker. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um... So she can do the dishes and hang the washing up. So Gwen uses the ghost machine because she's taking it home. Uh, she, th- she's learned nothing from the first episode. Does Jack know she's took it home? If he doesn't, if he does, well, I mean, he might do. I, I, it's like one of those things that's not really important in terms of the episode. But if if he doesn't know, when he later has it, because it doesn't doesn't he get it from her? He doesn't question or later oh, bring right. it up. That right? Okay. You had that all along. Mm. Mm. Anyway. Um, she uses the ghost machine at home and she sees some nice memories of her and Reese. So mm. this is perhaps our first glimpse of the the positive side of Gwen and Reese's relationship. Because mm-hmm. I know he hasn't really been a dick yet, but <laughs> he he comes across as um, the maybe undesirable, useless boyfriend. Yes, um, very much so. <laughs> but now, but now we see this side. We are reminded or told that um, she does love him. Mm. He's important to her, you know. And then he comes home um, because um, Daph and Karen have a Barney. So Reese comes home because he doesn't want to sleep on Daph's settee. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, after addressing some concerns with Gwen about um, 
does she want to come home to him at the end of the day? Um, they seem in a good place. Yeah, and they get it on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's uh, actually th- this bit's quite a. It's probably the only bit in the episode which is nice and lighthearted. Yeah. So tonally, it's important for the episode. It, it gives it a bit of levity, which I think is needed. But yeah, it's because uh, uh, when I was first when I, uh, when I was watching the episode, and we have that scene w- uh, with him where he's just going, "I don't know how to use a washing machine," and I'm rolling my eyes, going, "Oh, for frig's sake!" Um, and um, uh, I just thought it was just going, "Is this is this the only scene he's going to be in?" Just to remind us that you know, Gwen, Gwen's got a boyfriend. But um, so later on, when we get, it's just like, no, it's not just a random scene. Remember me, I, you know. So he, he is in it a bit further, and it, yeah, it is quite nice to see them um, just have have those memories, remind us that you know the, they have been in a relationship for, for you know for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I like this. It was uh, it was quite nice. Yeah, totally. So Owen's at home. Um, he's haunted by the memory of Ed. Ed and Lizzie mm. spends the night researching. And he manages to locate Ed Harris um, because he's using the phone book. Yeah, he used the phone book earlier on to find that Flanagan dude. <laughs> yeah, just like going, yeah. right, you need to, you need to, right, you need to look at all the, all the records, all the CT. I found him, phone book. Yeah. So, you know, it's quite amusing. But it has this payoff. It does. Yeah. Do you remember um, people could like rip yellow pages in half? It's like a technique. Yeah, I remember that was, a, yeah. Testing people's strength. There is a technique, yeah. Because yeah. I was obviously I've tried. Did you do it? Well, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> but um, yeah, we should learn. <laughs> Can you? Yeah, but the thing is, Rob, I don't think Yellow Pages is as thick as it once was. All oh, right. Okay. I think it's probably already got like thirty pages now, or something like that. Whereas gotcha. back in the day, it was just this. Well, do you remember that episode? Uh, episode? Do you remember that advert for Yellow Pages that they used to show uh, every Christmas? We'd have this girl standing mm-hmm. underneath the mistletoe, and there's yeah. a, there's a boy, and he's trying to kiss the girl, but you can't. So then he gets the Yellow Pages and stands on it, and he can kiss her because obviously the Yellow Pages at that point was quite thick. But you wouldn't be able not. to do. He wouldn't be able to do that now. No, you have to get loads of them. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember back in the day when uh, when you would have technology programs and then we were talking about like the latest computer and how much RAM it's got and to make us understand like how much that was it's just gone and that's the equivalent of sixty four telephone books and you go wow that is a lot of <laughs> that's a lot of memory especially the yellow pages yeah 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 wow <laughs> <laughs> just yeah the. Uh, the just to make people understand, just go, and that's the equivalent of 64 telephone directories. Yeah, if you stack those up, <laughs> it'd be too high above the girl. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Um, what about that fact about, you know, folding a piece of paper in half? Uh-huh. Well, apparently, you can't fold it more than, is it seven times? Uh, I can't remember the exact figure. Oh, yeah, or, but... Oh, oh, oh. Or is it seven? To- okay, so I'm going to pull up some facts here about folding a piece of paper, and I'm going to see if you can guess um, what these exponential folds will reach. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. If you say you've got an A4 piece of paper, hmm. how many times do you think you need to fold it until it reaches the moon? It reaches the moon. Yes. So if you fold a piece of paper in half, it doubles. Fold it again, 
that amount doubles. Yeah. Is this just in theory? Because physically, I don't think you would be able to do it. Physically, you couldn't. Let's say you can fold it more than seven times. You can fold it infinitely. <laughs> how many how many folds to get until it would reach the moon now just to put it into perspective between us and the moon you could fit the earth 30 times right okay i was gonna say actually it would be I was thinking it would be a really high number, but then actually when I think about it, because, you know, if you fold it in half, then you double it. Mm -hmm. So I don't think it's going to be actually quite high. A hundred? Ooh, it's actually... Is it less than that? It's less than that. Oh, okay. Um, 50? It's 42. Isn't that the meaning of life? It is, yeah. 42? Yeah, that is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. It's interesting that the human brain isn't kind of wired to comprehend like exponentials in numbers. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, okay, one more. How many folds until the paper reaches the Andromeda galaxy? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, Rob. I don't even know how far the Andromeda galaxy is. It's very close. Um, well, the, the Andromeda galaxy is 127 thousand light years away it's a neighboring galaxy yeah you can yeah, see, I, you can yeah, see it in the night sky yeah <laughs> i found another another one beyond um andromeda which we'll do soon right okay uh so 41 folds to the moon is it less than a thousand it is less than a thousand um remember we're doing exponential leaps not it's not going up in little increments yeah, it's, it's funny what the, you don't consider these things. Uh, how many times could you fold a piece of paper till it re- reached the Andromeda galaxy? And it's less than a thousand. Is it something like ridiculous? It's like 420. Do you want to know? But yeah, of course I want to know. Go on. Okay, it's 81. Oh, is that it? That's it. Okay, last one. How many folds until the paper re- gets outside the observable universe? Is it 120? 103. 103, right, okay. Yeah, I mean, you can try it if you've got any paper at hand. <laughs> yeah, I've got some printing paper in the cupboard. I'll just get stop around and just folding it while, I'm do, while we're doing the podcast. Yeah, something to do. Yeah. What was it to the Andromeda Galaxy? 80. 81. 81, right, okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah, so we were saying... Owen was up researching Ed Harris. Um, and so he finds him in the phone book eventually after looking through some, I think it was police records. So he arrives um, in the car. He's got some IDs. One of them is a unit ID, which I noticed. Oh, right, okay. I'm just a little nod to Doctor Who there. Mm-hmm. So he enters Ed's flat claiming he's there to check the gas. So he sits down face to face with Ed and brings up Lizzie Lewis. Hmm. And he's just, yeah, he, he he knows he knows and he's just sweating. And um, yeah, good moment. Good performance. Yeah, yeah, it is a good performance. Uh, so you got Gareth Thomas uh, 
playing him, who is probably best known uh, for paying, uh, playing Blake in Blake 7. Obviously, I've seen him in other things as well. Um, but I remember when I first saw this, it had been a while since I'd seen Gareth Thomas in something, and then seeing him play this really unpleasant character. Yeah. <laughs> they've made, and, you know, um, they've really... Uh, <laughs> It's it's not a flattering uh, appearance of him, um, you know. They really, and this isn't a commentary on on the appearance of Gareth Thomas. Am I coming <laughs> from there? But in terms of you know, God, first it was Tosh. Oh, those angles were awful. <laughs> <laughs> they were. They're not flattering. And nothing towards her, but you know, it's could have picked some better better angles. No. <laughs> but um, no, it's you know with uh, with how they've got him to dress. <laughs> Those type yeah. of glasses that haven't been seen since probably in the 1970s. Yeah, hopefully the, you didn't just turn up to the makeup department. They were like, oh, just wear what you wear and you'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, just gone, oh, Gareth, that's great. We don't have to do anything. <laughs> you look a state already. No, no, I mean, the, you know, they make his hair look greasy, really, uh, you know, really fat, very unflattering clothes. Those spectacles. Um, uh, yeah, and just, and then obviously during this scene, uh, ugly furnished flat yeah oh, i bet he stinks <laughs> yeah he's he obviously stinks you can smell him through the television screen and then with all that you know and then then no one's really getting to him uh and then he's starting to sweat profusely and those those shot the, those close angles of his uh hands like gripping and just clenching and getting mm. really stressed yeah so it's a good use of direction with the camera angles and the, the lighting and the close-ups that they use but also gareth thomas's performance as well yeah, and Owen really wants to provoke this response out of him because he's really taunting him with it. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um so he he chases Owen out mm-hmm. and Ed's saying, you know, I've told you before. Um I don't think anyone would have picked up on that at that point in the story. Um because he kinda he just kinda say it twice. He's like, Get out, I've told you before, get out. Um I, I did think it was a bit of a uh, a bit of an odd thing to say. I, I it it sort of threw me a bit i thought it was a bit i've told you before but he's never met him before mm. so i did pick up on it a, a little bit but but yeah in in but it, it so i picked up on it a little bit but i didn't sort of like dwell on it i'm going oh that's a clue which obviously it does <laughs> turn out to be it just kind of like oh bit of an odd thing threw me a bit but you do sort of get caught up in the moment and then straight after that you don't really dwell on it because then there's a there's another there's another chase sequence and it even has comedy chickens in it oh yeah and that kid's like, go on, kick his head in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which I actually thought was great. Just going, yeah. uh, that's very believable. That would yeah. happen. So, yeah. But yeah, rolling all over the gardens is mm. cool. And then he finally corners him. And that's when he's like, I'm going to bloody kill you. <laughs> yeah. And then he just takes him out for a pint. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, and then um, when Owen left Ed's flat, the bit of a postman, initially I thought, is that Chibnall? No. <laughs> no. I was enjoying this episode and then it just go, crap, Chibnall comes up. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> he could have played a good Ed. Well, the Gareth Thomas character. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Gar- Gar- <laughs> <laughs> That's probably the biggest insult ever anyone's ever got. Given Chris Chibnall. <laughs> really not a fan have of I, Have this I took that part. too far? Yeah. <laughs> shall, I, shall I bleep that out? Very. No, don't keep it in. But very much not a friend of the podcast. 
because he could easily kill yeah. easily play <laughs> don't him. mention okay. this when we get him on <laughs> oh no we get him on and we interview him and then just as we finish off I just drop the bombshell oh by the way Rob Rob once said you would have been very good at playing a rapist murderer yeah but... and then he'll, st- he'll start he'll start grabbing the armchair and sweating profusely <laughs> And it just goes, we know. And then just, they just hang up. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> Part of me wants that to happen. Anyway. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Owen takes Bernie What's Harris. What's he ever done? He only wrote, he wrote episodes of Doctor Yeah, well, he only wrote episodes of Doctor Who. <laughs> Who? Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> uh, we really hate them. <laughs> no, we don't. No, we don't. No, not at all. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, sorry, Rob. Carry on. <laughs> well, I was just saying they were catching, having a catch up at the pub, um, and the total team arrives, and Harris tells them about this stuff he's got, like. Um, a tin of old alien coins and stuff that he got off some old man out of a lockup. <laughs> rocks. Don't rocks. forget the rocks. <laughs> rocks and coins. Yeah. Um, that's valuable stuff that he was hoping to sell. But then he found the device and he said he saw a mother putting a dead baby in the water. Mm-hmm. He realized he knew the mother, so he went and paid her a visit and she gave him some money. He's like, yeah, I wasn't blackmailing her. She, she offered it. Then he mentions Ed and Lizzie. Um, no surprise that he's had a similar vision because the bridge that they went through when Owen had the vision, that's in Splot. <laughs> right, yes. yeah. Um, it's, uh, it's a happy coincidence, but, you know, um, it's, it's, it's likely. Mm-hmm. And yeah, really I, mean, I, I didn't think it was beyond the realm of possibility. I'm not going, well, that wouldn't happen because it's outside his geographical... No, it's, <laughs> it's within where the area lives, so it would make sense, yeah. Yeah, totally. So as they're, as they're about to leave, he mentions there's another half of the machine. So they go back to his flat and um, get the other half. Mm-hmm. Um, Owen finds a, a cheap tin of beans in the kitchen. He shows it a toss. Like, ooh, this. Mm. Yeah, I mean, what, what was with that? I was just like, yeah, the guy's down on his luck. He doesn't have an awful lot of money. Yeah. yeah he's got a tin of cheap baked beans. Yeah. I've had to do that once. Bones of the <laughs> you had to do that once. <laughs> well, I didn't mean once, but you know. I was ta- just going to say, do you do that in general? What? Right? Have cheap beans? No, no. I mean, I don't. I don't eat baked beans an awful lot. But there's times in the past where it's sort of like really skint. You, you know, you still got to buy foods. Like, right, there's a tin of cheap baked. You know, yeah. Beans on toast. You can't go wrong. Have you got a favorite big brand of beans? <clears throat> uh, Branston. But I was. Yeah, that's a, that's a good one. Tasty. Yeah, I, I'm not that keen on uh, Heinz baked beans. Uh, I, th- I think the, they're too sweet. I mean, they must put a lot of sugar in us. Yeah, oh, I don't, yeah. Don't don't like it. I haven't tried the sugar-free one. I love sugar one, but maybe I should. Uh, do you microwave your beans? No, no, no. No? Uh, put them in a pan and heat them. Would you microwave them? Yeah, right. I'm not, I'm not opposed to it. Don't think it's, <laughs> I'm not going, going on. Ooh, that's uncouth. <laughs> Fine, yeah. So yeah, nothing, nothing wrong with a cheap tin of beans. No, I'm not sure. at all. So owns a snob. Oh yeah. Yeah. Knew there was something about him I didn't like. Um, 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, I was going to so, say something else. Yeah. Obviously, I forgot what it was now. Uh, but yeah, baked beans. Mm. Baked beans. So Harris tells Gwen that he witnessed his own death out on the road. So Gwen, you know, well, she's a police officer with a general duty of care, and she's carrying this over in um, her duties at Torchwood. She's quite concerned about him, so she goes to tell Jack, and then um, yeah, but Jack, what is it with this? Jack just doesn't listen. He's just like Jack, and he's just like walking off, and just like no, this is important. And why doesn't he? Why he was it? concerned earlier on. <sighs> it's yeah, it's just it's yeah. just a bit annoying. But anyway, so then um, Gwen activates the ghost machine, and, and Jack starts running in slow motion, screaming, <laughs> "No!" So she witnesses the future. Yeah. Um, she's holding a bloody knife. And she's like, oh, he's dead. Owen had the knife. Mm-hmm. So something's going to go down. Yeah. So back at the hub, Jack tells Gwen that um, Bernie's death may not happen. He talks about possible futures. Gwen's taking comfort in this, and she's hoping Bernie will as well. Because um, I guess she's worried it's going to came to send Bernie off the rails or consume him or whatever. So yeah, it's a possible future, perhaps. Mm-hmm. So, back at Ed's place, he's making a phone call. He's got a bit of, pa- bit of paper. Bernie answers because we we find out soon that he's been blackmailing him. Mm-hmm. So, Owen and Tosh are out for a drink together. Does this seem like a normal thing for them to do? Yeah. 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 Yeah, I guess so. They've got nothing they've got nobody else to talk about work with, have they? No, no. Um so she tells him that she's tracked down Ed Morgan and Owen reveals that he has already been to see him mm-hmm. and he's threatened him and stuff. That's when something clicks. He realizes what you realized <laughs> that um Ed Morgan said, I've seen you before. Um so that's when he realizes that. It must have been Bernie Harris. Gwen goes to see Bernie to assure him that he's okay. Jack gives Gwen a heads up on the phone that Bernie's been blackmailing Ed. Mm-hmm. So they're heading over as well. Tosh is back at the computer. She's tracking Ed on CCTV. Any funny close-ups of Tosh's face at this scene? No, no, it's, it's, it's fine at this It's point. all good now. Yeah, yeah, they've, uh, they've sorted out their dodgy camera <laughs> angles. And, uh, That's yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. So Ed's turning on to Bernie Street. And then he has a bit of a face-off with Bernie and Gwen. Mm-hmm. So it's nighttime now. He's squinting a lot. He hasn't got his glasses on. It's like, so long since I've been outside. Um, Got his knife. How does he get his shop in? I think someone just brings him his shop Yeah, or... <laughs> I was going to say online shopping, but yeah, this is 2006. Was that a thing then? It was, but it was very primitive. Yeah. It would mostly have been dialogue, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Good character writing with Ed Morgan, because he's going on about how, um, how he's been keeping this secret all these years mm. since the sixties, and he's, he 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 talks about how he could see it in people's faces, like they knew, um, yes. which comes down to his paranoia. But it's it's sort of a funny thing because. Um... You can actually, yeah. Obviously, he is uh, extremely paranoid. This this dark secret that he's had has obviously been festering, uh, and has really affected him. Um, but you could actually, but you, 
the, the way that I read that scene is just going, but actually what he was seeing was actually the case. I, I kind of like that idea of it was never proven, but people knew. Yeah. Well, yes, because um, like when Owen was taunting him, he was saying, um, all the girls know not to go with you, Ed Morgan. Um, yeah, the the girls told Lizzie not to go with you. So he he had a reputation. Yes, that's true. As yeah, a yeah. bad boy. Yeah, so he had a reputation, and wh- wh- wherever they'd been at the at the party or everything, people would have, people would have seen that they were together, and then she like got upset and ran off. So, the, but nothing was proven, I guess. Yeah, yeah, but but nothing was proven. But but the you know but people knew, yeah. um, given his reputation and you know uh, they were last seen together and and so on. So it sort of makes sense as well. And I totally agree with you, Rob. I th- I think it's uh, it's actually very good writing here. And I think it's once again, it, you know, Gareth Thomas. Uh, I really love how he performs this scene. It's it's sort of it, it's sort of yeah, he's like hunched and he's squinting around all his life. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, you could, there's nothing subtle about it, but I still love the performance. I think it, I think it suits it very well. And it skirts around this odd thing of going. He's deeply unpleasant. He's done awful things, mm. and you kind of feel a bit sorry for him. He's this really, you know, he's really just a sad, tragic figure at the end of it. Um, yeah, he was done some atrocious stuff a yeah. lifetime ago. Mm. But uh, yeah, I do think it's uh, this scene is written well. I think it's performed superbly, and it ends, it ends tragically and horribly. And yeah, so Jack and. Owen, they're like sneaking up on Ed, aren't they? Yeah. Um, so they restrain him, mm. and Owen grabs the knife, so it's his opportunity to put it in Ed's face, make him feel what he made Lizzie feel. Mm-hmm. I don't know whether or not Owen himself knew if he was going to follow through with hurting him or not. Yeah. I mean, the way that I read the scene, sort of like my interpretation of it, is uh, he knew he wouldn't. Yeah. Um, but nonetheless, it's uh, he really wanted to put the frighteners on him because of what he saw. And keeping in mind, it's not only what he saw, but what he felt. Because yes. this device not only makes you see these these ghosts, but it also makes you feel the emotion of what was going on. And when he was witnessing that, he was feeling her absolute terror. Yeah, so it's like he was the victim of this attack. Mm. Almost. Yeah. From his perspective. Mm. He passes the knife to Gwen. This is where Ed walks up to Gwen. So a couple of things here. Ed Morgan, he says something like, I knew you'd come for me. Is that right? Something like that, yeah. Who did he think he was talking to and regarding what? Did he mean people who knew in general would come for him? Possibly. I mean, I've got to admit that is one bit of the scene which I was a little bit confused with because he's talking to, uh, initially, at the beginning of the scene, he's talking to Bernie. Gwen's yeah. there. Because um, this is a guy who obviously is a bit confused about who he's talking to in general. Like, he he couldn't distinguish between Bernie and Owen. Yeah, because his eyesight's atrocious. Yeah, because eyesight, and he was—he didn't have his glasses on at this point. Yeah, <laughs> specky four eyes. I can yeah. say that now. Um, sorry, but um, yeah, uh, and obviously he's squinting. Who? I. But I am a bit confused of going. Who does he think Gwen is? Yeah, like Lizzie or Lizzie's mum. Yeah, or it's like 
Well, it's death. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but yeah, he seems... Yeah. But then, obviously, he's confused. Hmm. So yeah, it is it is a bit of a funny one that one. Yeah, and then this takes us to Gwen's um, Gwen's shock. Should we talk about her performance here? I thought it was a good performance. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's one of the, it's one of those instances where it's sort of like there are many different ways in which you could play that scene. Yeah, and I think it, you know it, it would still work. So I think actually this is a good analysis of going. Um, drama can be played in many different ways. It's one yeah. of the reasons... J- Jack would just scream in slow motion. No. No. What have I done? Yeah. So, uh, so yeah. hopefully you wouldn't do that. Because <laughs> that's just... That's just naff. But, um, but yeah, there's different ways that you could... You, you could you could play this. You could just go uh, completely stone cold or go hysterical, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and to varying different degrees. Yeah, I think I think it's a good performance. She's obviously in, in shock and can't believe what's happened and is obviously immediately feeling responsible which is a perfectly normal thing to to feel i mean it's it's awful you know uh a man you know you've got a knife in your hand and a man has deliberately walked into it immediately and you haven't had time to to react to that and it's perhaps a missed opportunity back at the shooting range they could have put a line in where jack says have you ever killed anyone and she could have been like well no I think that would have been a bit. I, I mean, I know, I know what you mean. I think that would have been a bit too on the nose, though. And I mean, Torchwood isn't subtle in general, anyway. But even there, even there, I'd be like, ooh, that's even for Torchwood. No, that's a bit not much. yet, Jack. <laughs> Wink at the audience. Um, <laughs> actually, to be perfectly honest, I think it's very. I think it is a very good. Uh, rest- I think the makers of this episode restrain themselves very well not to do that. Mm-hmm. It's the one thing that they didn't do, so you know, congratulations. <laughs> you weren't that on the nose with it. Anyway, Rob, they had uh, they had uh, they needed to have uh, sexual tension needlessly written into that scene. Yes, yeah, yeah. had to be there. <laughs> yeah, had to be there. Adding it, adding that in would have detracted a bit too much. So, yeah. Well, um, they go back to the hub to process, have a drink, mm-hmm. talk about it. Um, Owen's like, well, well, I didn't kill him. <laughs> right, right to Gwen's face. <laughs> yeah, nice one, Owen. <laughs> you dick. <laughs> yeah, and uh, the ghost machine goes into the secure archives. So, yeah. Ianto um, takes it away. Mm-hmm. I forgot how little Ianto was part of these stories. Yeah, that's true. I think I think that starts to change a little bit with the next episode. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, you're right. I just because I think he's up to something, isn't he? Oh yes, now that you mention it, because it's been such mm. a long time since I watched these, and I've only seen them <laughs> once, and so uh, this is only the second time that I've watched. Oh yeah, this do, do you not quite remember what's coming? <laughs> I remember it's Cyberwoman. I can't, <laughs> can't forget that. Oh, it's Chris Chibnall as well, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, a little confession. Um, after watching this on iPlayer, mm. I didn't press stop when it played the next episode. So I, wa- I watched a little bit of Cyberwoman. Great, uh, yeah, that's 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 quite something. I mean, this this uh, this period of Torchwood is is sort of interesting because the series one is interesting because uh, there's an interesting premise and idea there. Sometimes they have episodes where I think that you know they're good, 
and then there are some episodes just just veer off into just this is just just, just crap um yeah we're, we're around the corner of that one but going back to the point of yeah i've forgotten how just this this handsome bloke in a suit who just randomly just pops up to, oh well all his purposes in this episode is just for jack to hand him this thing and yeah and go right i'm sticking it in this room and then walking off yeah um i think he has i think he's much better involved in the second series if i remember rightly yes yeah i believe so yeah um so this kind of wraps up with um jack and gwen going outside watching the sunrise Hmm. which is Uh, quite nice but i mean basically the gist of the scene is cheer up love yeah has an optimistic outlook on uh, on the ghost situation. Yeah, just like yeah. There's loads of quantum. But stuff I've got blood on my hands. Be like, yeah. Um, yeah. Today's a new day. Forget about him. <laughs> that was yesterday, Gwen. <laughs> Ancient history. Stop banging on about it. Ooh. <laughs> Boring. Uh, yes. Yeah. But I, you know, mm. it's uh, it's quite a nice scene, actually. Oh <laughs> yeah. Might be taking yeah. the mick out of it. And it, it, and. Um, it looks good as well. I like, I like how how the scene is lit and everything. Oh yeah, aye, with the sun coming up, yeah, mm-hmm. lights up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> aye, um, I did actually write an outro for this podcast, which I, I make you act too much. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not made for acting. Oh God, right? Yeah. What is it? I, well, I don't know. I wrote this weeks ago. I'm just reading it now. I forgot I'd done it. Um. It was just like a paraphrasing Jack and Gwen's final chat. It was something like, um, um, the podcast will be back soon, all those listeners, all that energy. And you were like, all those ghosts. And I was like, oh, well, yeah, we're surrounded by them. Um, I, I, I don't know. Maybe I didn't f- quite finish writing this. But I was like, maybe, yeah, we can't see them. We can't touch them. But they're there, all right. A million shadows of human emotion. We just have to learn to live with them. Yeah, I don't think I wrote that the way I was meant meaning to, but the intention was there. Yeah, I can see where you were going with it. Nice idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, we've done some other Torchwood stuff in the past. We've done episode one, everything changes on episode one hundred six. Episode one hundred and ten, we did day one, the sex gas one. <laughs> um, yep, yeah, you have published your first experiences of Torchwood only patrons can declassify that file on the website yeah that was um so that was an article that I'd written um oh years ago now I can't quite remember probably around about 2013 or something like that and that was my experience of watching Torchwood for the first time so I never watched Torchwood when everyone else was watching it i came to it sort of like when everyone had moved on with their lives so yeah i'd, I'd watched torchwood for the first time and then i wrote this article um so yeah 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 you can check that out patrons can check that out and um, we have a torchwood memory game on the website cloisterbellpodcast.com forward slash retcon um yeah that's pretty much it for our torchwood stuff so far Mm-hmm, um, yeah. keen to continue get this whole season out of the way eventually yeah yeah I mean it's uh, it's a laugh more than, you know more than anything I, I am enjoying it so yeah good uh, there was an episode of Torchwood Declassified 
Um, I didn't quite get round to to watching it. I had like a little a little a little look at it, but um, yeah, I don't think there was um much to take away from that. <laughs> okay, it's just a few behind the scenes like chats and things. Um, I can probably stick a bit of it on if you want. Is there anything but, interesting? Um, I don't know. It's probably everyone can check it out. It's on YouTube. We'll leave it up to the listeners to check it out. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, I'll see if I've got any more facts in this book. It was made with the episode Greeks Bearing Gifts as part of Block 2 of the production. Director Colin Teague used lots of tilted camera angles on the scene leading up to Ed Morgan's death in order to convey an impression of what the character was feeling. Hmm. Yeah, not, not a great deal of uh, interesting facts. Though. <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh... I mean, it's it's a it's a memorable episode, um, but uh, I think actually um, I sort of muddled it up a little bit with the with the fairy episode. Oh right, yeah. Um, because I remember obviously Gareth Thomas was in an episode, and I thought I remembered m- most of it, and I know that he played a very unpleasant character. My memory of it was that he played a paedophile. But that's in the fairy episode, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. So I'd sort of, I'd sort of muddled these two uh, episodes in my he- uh, head a little bit, um, weirdly. But I, 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 but I always remembered his final scene when when he dies, and and and, and I mean, sort of like I remember, I remembered this episode in a good way, not like day one, which I just remembered as just being, oh, it's that preposterous episode with the sex gas. Um, this I remember it being uh, quite serious with some really strong dramatic moments in it and um it had a very jo- uh, had a very good cast in it even i mean we mentioned him before john normington uh who who played uh what's his name tom flanagan the the older version. the old guy yeah uh and just uh he was always a i mean john normington he sadly, sadly passed away in 2007 um but he was always a very good actor and to see him in it it was just an absolute delight. It, if anyone's interested, he actually plays Morgan in Caves of Androzani. So there is a All right. uh, Doctor Who uh, connection uh, with him anyway. But uh, but yeah, it was, it was great to, to see him. Uh, I think this was this was one of his last performances before he sadly passed away. I think he appeared in one or two other things, maybe three or four Okay. after this, but then he sadly passed away. Oh. But yeah, a very good actor. Uh, and it was it was nice to see him play Tom Flanagan. And even though he's only in it for one scene, which is quite brief, uh, you just stick in the mind because it's nicely written and just just a lovely performance. And um, Gareth Thomas was mm. in Storm Warning, which we just discussed before the new year. Yes, yes, he was. Uh, I think, yeah, Gareth Thomas, a very good actor. As I said, uh, he'll always be remembered for for playing Blake in Blake Seven. Mm. Uh, there was a young, a se- there was a young shot of him in this episode, wasn't there, on the computer? Yes, I think there was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was going to ask you where was that sourced from. It wasn't like a, it was like it wasn't a Blake Seven shot because he looked too old for that. Uh, no, I can't. I, um, I can't quite remember. Mm. Uh, maybe, maybe I should go back and uh, just, uh, clock the the photo and see if I can pinpoint to where it was. But yeah, it was uh, 
he'd always be remembered. I mean, Blake Seven's a series that I absolutely love. In fact, funny enough, even though uh, he's, he's at this point he'd left the series, I've I've, I've uh, been watching series three, uh, some of the episodes of series three. Um, but yeah, I've seen him in other things as well. And uh, even though playing a very unpleasant character, yeah, it's just a it's just a very good performance. We got some listeners' responses. All right, good, good. Um, Sonia got in touch. Hi, Sonia. Lovely. How are you doing? Hi, Sonia. Uh, she said, Owen, as awful as he is a person, mm. he's the best acted character. It was a decent story. Sure as hell better than the sex alien one. <laughs> oh, that's controversial, Sonia. <laughs> no, I totally agree with you on that one. Miles better, yeah. We do see a new side of Owen in this one. Well, obviously, we see a more emotional, vulnerable, like um, empathetic side of him, which we haven't had before in the previous. Yeah, episode. and I think, yeah, and I think, uh, I think with the type of character that he is, I think that's very much needed because I think I think it would be very easy just to just completely dislike him. But um, with episodes like this and how he, I mean, he he's deeply uh, disturbed by um, the murder he's witnessed, uh, and you go, yeah, that's a uh, <laughs> good. He's not completely cold and not a complete arse. Um, and I agree with Sonia actually on reflection in terms of the regulars uh, in this episode. I do think he, yeah, I do think that character is actually the best performed. Uh, with all due respect to the others. But uh, yeah, I, I actually agree with that. James Swift got in touch. Hi, James Swift. So it's the first good episode of Torchwood mm-hmm. and the first one to terrify me as a kid. I think we get some good Owen story in this one. Yes, agree with that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Give that a like. Mm-hmm. Aye. Um, we may have another one. Oh, yes, Martin Havel. Hi, Martin. He said, excellent story. It's the first good episode of Torchwood. The team feel real and everyone in it is given 100%. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I think, yeah, I definitely agree with it being the first the first good episode of Torchwood. I definitely agree with that. Well, that's about it. Uh, thanks for your feedback. You, yeah, you, you three. Um, yeah. Yep. Hopefully we'll get more eventually. Maybe I don't push them hard enough. There's like, how many humans is out there? Like 8 billion. <laughs> yeah, we're just a bit over. Yeah. Just a bit over, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't want to get the point where we're reading. <laughs> Eight billion responses. Eight billion responses. Jeez. Oh, yeah. uh, so we did a poll. Um, a sensible poll. It, was, it wasn't one of my random ones. Um, <laughs> how would you rate Torchwood Ghost Machine? Okay. Uh, 50% good, 25 average, 25 bad. Oh, okay. Still a good... Um, good... Res- uh, favorable response to it um i, I personally would uh, would say i think it's good oh yeah um at this stage i would usually say you know check out our socials blah 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 um i'll just say one more thank you to pete and chris from pull to open and instead i'll say as the last call of action go check them out yes definitely yeah go give them give them a review review on our podcast it really helps Mm-hmm. Um, follow them on socials they're on tiktok they do lives every is it sunday night that they, re- that they record Liam? is that when we did it yes it is yeah really. lives on sunday nights um get in touch with them and say hello follow them and have a listen yeah we were on the the last sunday's episode the waters of mars and it's on youtube you can watch it 
yeah so it's uh yeah you've you've got the option uh you can listen to it as a as a regular podcast or you can uh, you can watch it and you can see all four of us mm. you get to see you get to, one of the rare occasions you get to see my face yeah. uh, i don't know if that's an, if, if that will entice everyone but sure but it's uh but yeah it's a, it's a good podcast uh not only nice people with yeah. them, but yeah uh, but in general and yes very nice people yeah. and uh i think yeah they have, a, I think, a much better structured approach of, you know, going, well, which Doctor Who are they going to review? They actually got a randomizer and all the rest of it. Yeah. We wing it. You just go, eh, whatever the mood takes us. They had some good momentum, like, pulling it forward. Like, we would just sit and chat about whatever. And then, like, mm. look at my watch. Is it time to move on? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. But, yeah, they, they had a good structure. Yeah, yeah. So, if you like if you like this podcast, uh, then you'll... I think you'd definitely like theirs. Uh, I, think, I think it's better. For one yes. Thing. But please still continue listening to us. Please don't ditch us. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. Uh, but talking about conversations, actually, because uh, one of our regular listeners, uh, Harry, hi, Harry, um, from the Who Can Convince You podcast. Oh, yeah. It's another good podcast. If you oh, um, Liam, uh, 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 oh, uh, I'll, you go, and then I'll mention it after. All right. Right. Okay. No problem. Um, which uh, he got in contact and said that in our previous podcast, uh, part of the conversation we had, which was about memorabilia, and he really enjoyed that. So I thanked him for that. And I said, um, is there anything you would like us to discuss at some point? Uh, and he said, sorry, I'm just bringing this on you. But he said, uh, how about a conversation um, when you both realized you were a fan of Doctor Who? All right. So, Rob, uh, when did you realize you were a fan? Oh, that's an interesting question. I was aware of the show as a kid mm. and there was a lot of stuff that my family and mainly my brother was into. Yeah. Um, a lot of like Star Trek, Star Wars and Doctor Who was something I was aware of. I don't know if I was a true fan even when I was getting some of the early VHSs. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just something I enjoyed. You know, I enjoyed a lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah. My true like love of it did actually come come around when I watched the Cushion films. Oh, all right, okay. Interestingly enough, mm-hmm. um, but of the TV show, uh, I quite liked the Hartnell stuff that I that I started to watch, and I I like I really like old black and white stuff. Um, yeah, yeah, same. It's the kind of stuff I'd watch. There was a lot of it on the telly when we were younger. So that kind of appealed to me because it has its charm. So, yeah, it was either Cushion or Hartnell. All right, okay. That's really good. I totally agree with you on on that one. And it's a shame that there's not a lot of black and white stuff that's broadcast. I mean, yeah, as you said, I mean, every weekend there'll be a Laurel and Hardy, Mm -hmm. uh, which is great. And they're they're still funny. And I think think, uh, people are missing out on that. And I know there's some people who aren't particularly keen on black and white stuff, but I really like it. It's got a style and an atmosphere all of its own um, and, you know, is immensely enjoyable. And I totally agree with you on, on that one. Going back in terms of Doctor Who, um, yeah, there, there's an atmosphere and a look to 60s Who, mm. uh, which is very captivating. And I do really like Oh, yeah. Uh, okay, that's interesting. Uh, for me, it it's sort of, I mean, the first time that I heard of Doctor Who was actually through you, Rob. Uh, it was, uh, we were, this was when I was. I'm so six. sorry. 
this is when we were six uh and but the thing is it, it happened actually quite quickly so uh, i heard you mentioned it i had no idea what you were talking about but then not long after that because uh, this would have been 1993 which was the 30th anniversary and not long after um it was one day uh, it was around about probably like six, five six o'clock in the evening put the television on bbc2 and this thing just started and it was just like the music and the title sequence it's like nothing i'd ever seen before and i found it utterly captivating it's like what is this and then the title came up it was doctor who and it's just like oh it's that thing that robert mentioned right okay so i'll stick with this and it was episode one of planet of the daleks and i really really enjoyed it and then so every week uh i would make sure that i caught the next episode and i was just utterly enthralled by it my, my father later said um he was very surprised at how very quick i got into uh, into doctor who so i became a fan quite quickly um and i remember sort of like watching that and i remember there was it was around about that time you had the documentary 30 years in the tardis so i watched that you had i remember all the hype around dimensions in time which for for what everyone has to say about it which it's a, it's a real odd thing that that was made but uh, it did get people talking it was all part of uh, the charity children in need it was this whole thing about it being broadcast in 3d so there was a whole excitement about it so this new thing that i was discovering was uh it was it was celebratory uh it was celeb- you know there was this this old show but it felt very current there's there was a buzz about it then when i watched the the next story which was the, the green death i thought that that was amazing and then it was there's the videos um and i remember my grandmother buying me the uh, first two in woolworths uh, which was uh, Day of the Daleks and Terror of the Autons. I remember enjoying that. And it was just, I I just remember just really loving this show. And I think, um, so it, it, for me, it feels like I became a fan pretty much from <laughs> from the off, from the moment that I ever saw a Dalek. Mm. Um, and then just sort of like keeping that up. But what happened was, uh, so I'd seen planet of the daleks the green death and then day of the daleks and terror of the autons uh and then the next story i saw was dragonfire which again was bought for me on on vhs and this was it was still doctor who i didn't quite understand regeneration i hadn't quite cottoned on to that uh and even though i'd been watching stuff from the early 70s and this is the late 80s and this is Sylvester mccoy I just totally bought into it. I was a bit, I was slightly confused, but at the same time I bought into it. And I think it was probably at that moment, I think you could say that I was a fan of, of the show. Okay. Because this was this was a different era of the show and I still absolutely loved it. And it was Sylvester McCoy playing the Doctor and there was something really magical about it. And the fact that, the fact that I was able to accept someone else playing the Doctor without question, I think I, I would probably point that as the moment of going, that's when I became a fan. Um, and then there was the Dalek tin set, uh, which was bought for me as a present, and that had the chase in it. Okay, yeah. 
so then I'm going back and I'm looking at 60s Doctor Who in black and white and still loved it. And it also had remembrance of the Daleks in it. And at that point, I already knew the Sylvester McCoy's Doctors. But I think it was... Hang on. Uh, Clock the Dalek. Uh, yeah, so Dragonfire was the fifth Doctor Who story I watched. If you exclude Dimensions. And uh, I think that's probably the... I would, for me, I would point... That's when I was a fan. Right, okay. Did um, Did it ever phase out for you? Because... Hmm. It probably did for me in the late nineties. Um, the mo- the TV movie came and went. Yeah. Um, in the years after that, I was still I was still watching occasionally my VHSs. Yeah. Um, I do remember watching them occasionally the years before the revival, so maybe two thousand three. Um, and of course we had Shadow and Scream of the Shalker come out around then mm-hmm. so um i was still kind of actively like looking on the website and things like that so um i guess I, it, was, it was always there in my mind yes uh it was sort of, sort of the same with me uh it was it was always there a little bit but when i was a teenager um it my interest in it did drop quite considerably i mean once in a while i might watch a story or now and again, check out the website. Uh, which actually, I won one of the competitions, which was to, uh, I won one of the books. Um, the website was so, good. Yeah, the website was really good in those days. But that was the, sort of like the early days yeah. of the internet when it was sort of good in general. And um, But I, I do remember, I, I think I actually emailed them on occasion. About oh, random, right, okay. random stuff. And they did get back. Um. And when the revival came out, you know what? They were really good at updating like an animated um, front page all the time. Yeah. Uh, even if it was just relate- relating to news, you'd have a flash animation. Um, and they even did a, a news feed on there as well. And all the other stuff like games and wallpapers and stuff. Uh, yeah, there was great, and there was even like there were uh, every single season and every single episode of classic Doctor Who. All the information was there, and they had these mini essays, mm. like uh, reviewing them. That had a lot of really cool yeah. stuff. It's which... all still up there, archived. If anyone wants to check it out, I um, think, I is th- it? Oh, I, I think so. Yeah, but um, it's a shame if you go to bbc.co.uk/slash/doctor who now. Mm. I'd imagine it just takes you to iPlayer or something like that, like a generic landing page. Yeah, I mean, I haven't been on it uh, on a long, long time, but uh, yeah, it. Uh, I remember. Yeah. From from what it was, which was this just this really nice website with a lot of uh, material and obviously run by people who just loved it, and they did some like really interesting sort of like wacky things. Uh, some of it worked, some of it didn't, but it was always a sort of like a love there. One mm. of the things I always remember was they had these uh, these videos where they had clips of the show. They had one for the 60s, one for the 70s, and one for the 80s. And they went through every every story every week and what was number one in the pop charts. All right. Accompanied with the clips. And it was really, it was really interesting because... It was kind of going, it's kind of interesting with like popular culture of somehow 
in a weird way through some bizarre form of synchronicity it sort of like melds so what was in the pop charts musically seemed to match in terms of the tone the mood or thematically that week's episode of doctor who that's interesting so they had these videos and i always thought oh that's kind of interesting mm. um but obviously you know you don't have you don't have anything like that anymore no uh, um i think doctor who tv is is that official is that the official website at the moment well, I haven't looked at that in a while, but yes, I think it is. Yeah, it's, yes. not, I'm, it's not really something I'm interested in, though, mm. um, in checking out. But of the official BBC website back in the day, it is where I first learned of Torchwood because, you know, I would go on it maybe every week or so just to have a little look. Um, and all of a sudden, the landing page for the website was um, the 2005 Eccleston logo, mm-hmm. but the text said Torchwood. Oh, okay. Um, so that was the kind of one of the official announcements. Um, they've done a, a small press release saying they're going to do this um, new science fiction spin-off of Doctor Who, Torchwood. A short while after that, the landing page of the website was a shot of outside the Millennium um, Stadium. Is that what it is? Yeah. Mm-hmm. In Cardiff Bay. Um, and then they, they had... Um, and they'd kind of stuck in a picture of John Barrowman and Eve Miles. I think it was kind of vague about her character, but that it would be loosely connected to who she played in Doctor Who, Gwyneth. Mm-hmm. Um, I do remember that from the web, from the official website, yeah. And I also, um, I know kind of we've got the podcast website now, but the first Doctor Who website that I made uh, was in... I don't know, was mid-2006. Um, before the series came out, it was called The Torchwood Archive. And I I would collect any bits of information on Torchwood before it came out and oh, kind, okay. and kind of catalog it there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the show came out and I just kind of gave up interest in that. Because <laughs> the show came out. Yeah. Right, okay. Um, but yeah, that was my first experience of doing a, any kind of Doctor Who-ish kind of website. <laughs> Is that it for memories? Yeah, right. yeah I think so. Yeah. Uh, um, oh, I was going to mention, because you mentioned Harry. Um, he keeps getting on my case on WhatsApp. I need to talk to you. Um, we did a Secret Santa, all of the after show. People oh, yes. Christmas. Yes, yes. yes. People want to go on and do a do a video hangout and reveal what we got. And I don't know if that's something you want, you're up to. Up for? Yeah, yeah, can do. Yeah. Okay, I shouldn't have asked you on air. Are you up for Liam? Nah. <laughs> yeah, I don't feel pressurised at all. Yeah, let's do that. Um, <laughs> no, no, honestly, Rob, it's fine. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll give them a message. I don't know if you want to do it on one of the days we record or a different day. Like, it, uh, you, you'd imagine, yeah, that'll just be a ten-minute thing and it'll turn into an hour-long thing. I don't know. Um, what, yeah, five what... hours, and I come, re- yeah, <laughs> come to regret doing it. <laughs> um. But yeah, we could do that. Mm-hmm. So I think we've kept everyone for long enough today. Yeah, although we do have the 60th anniversary chat to do after the credits. Oh, yes. Do stick around. We'll talk about stuff. I don't know what we're talking about. Um, I obviously had something on my mind in the last episode. It's gone now. <laughs> um, also in the last episode, we were looking through the Doctor Who official annual for 2023. And we did this table where you had to 
put Doctor Who villains against each other and find the ultimate villain. Mm-hmm. And then we narrowed it down. Was it to like the Daleks and the Cybermen or something like that? Uh, was it the Daleks and the Master? Or maybe that was it, yes. And then we couldn't decide and we're like, we'll, we'll get back to it later. And we just didn't. <laughs> no, we didn't. Can we not do it now either? <laughs> well, we've had plenty of time to think about it, Rob, even though we haven't. So, uh, who would you say between the Daleks and the Master? I'm just going to go on, go ahead and say the Master. Yeah, okay, great. Let's do yeah. that. Right. <laughs> Short and sweet. Fantastic. Brilliant. Okay, so uh, shall I roll the credits now? And um, if anyone doesn't want to be spoiled about the 60th anniversary or series 14, they can just kind of stop listening and go away. Um, yes. But if they want to hear... You do go, yeah, but just before you go away... Um, uh, next, uh, I was going to say next week's podcast. Hopefully, next week's podcast. But anyway, the next podcast, uh, we'll be reviewing uh, season 18's State of Decay. Cool. Yeah. Uh, but yes. Um, so credits and Rob and I are going to be talking uh, stuff, which potentially might be spoilery. So if you don't want uh, to listen to further of our ramblings and don't want to be spoiled, then uh, stop listening now. See you tomorrow. Bye. The TARDIS Cloister Bell. Imminent disaster. The Cloister Bell? Yes. What's that? Well, it's a sort of communications device reserved for wild catastrophes and sudden calls to man the battle stations. That's the Cloister Bell. Don't worry about that for now. It's not really terribly significant. The Cloister Bell? Oh, no. So, hello. We're back. Thanks for sticking around. Yeah. Dedicated. Yeah. Thank you. So anyway, uh, we're here to talk about the future of Doctor Who, back for the 60th. Any news that you wanted to talk about? The only news that I have been aware of um, is there's another costume, apparently. Uh, so there's been some new footage of... Uh, this isn't David Tennant, this is a new Doctor, and it looks... It, I mean, it looks it looks great, uh, very seventies uh, look to it, and it's sort of yeah. I can suddenly I can suddenly see the dos- the doctor going to a discotheque with what he's wearing. It's like this long black, uh, sorry, this long brown leather jacket that you would you would sort of like see shaft wear or something with these great trousers and this sort of like orange. I don't know what you would call it, tight fitting top that has this very seventies look to it. Uh, and it gotta say, I do think it looks really good to the point where i actually think it looks better than the main costume he's supposed to be wearing but not, nothing to nothing against uh his main costume because i still think that looks good but i just love the look of it it's just retro and cool yeah i'm it just looks l- great looking at it now yeah um but in terms of um like anything anything else being reported mm. i don't think i'm aware of anything else oh, well i'm looking at pictures of him in the snow which will be the Christmas special, I imagine. Yeah. But I think uh, the last time when we were supposed to talk about this and we completely forgot, um, I think... I had some news. Now it's yeah, gone. Yeah. Oh, so you can't... Re- yeah, you had some news, which because at that point I wasn't aware of anything at all. And the the, the news about the costumes is only the, the, the most recent thing that I'm aware of. Oh. Um, no, I'm sorry. It's just gone. <laughs> This is a pointless part of the podcast. <laughs> oh, yeah, after all that build-up. 
we we've, remembered we, to do this, but we've got nothing to say. <laughs> Any um, theories, expectations, hopes, dreams? Uh, many, but in terms of Doctor Who, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, nothing really. Just, uh, just hope. Looking forward to it. I mean, interestingly, um, the, uh, I think this this was last week. Uh, work colleague of mine was was talking about Doctor Who to somebody else, uh, and I just overheard, and. So she's. Th- this is somebody who, who, who likes Doctor Who but isn't a fan of it, and just re- you know, but but really enjoys the show. Has always has always tuned in, and what was interesting was. There were two things that she was really looking forward to, one was David Tennant. Uh, which I think you know, you know, uh, it's understandable. He was, you know, immensely popular, and people still love him as the Doctor. And the fact he's coming back, big news. She was really looking forward to that. Um, and she actually mentioned Russell T. Davis, and the fact that he was back, uh, involved in the making of the show, uh, was getting her really excited about it and really looking forward to what, um the show will do so that's just someone who not a massive fan but generally just likes the show but now they're really excited from the information that's coming out the fact that david Tennant's going to come back oh uh, sorry she she also mentioned Catherine tate the fact that uh, she's going to be back as donna she loved that but it was also the fact that she mentioned russell t davis the showrunner coming back yeah it's uh, uh, yeah, interesting yeah, I thought that was that was a, that's what I found interesting. The fact that she specifically mentioned him as as of, of something that she was really looking forward to. Is so. he, is he a household name? I think so. Yeah, yeah, must be. Yeah, Ooh, I, do... I think that I think the, the the I mean, if you if you watch television, you're into drama or things like that. I don't think there'll be that many people who aren't aware of him. I mean, he's been involved in television for for an awfully long time. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was he he started off writing uh, children's television. Uh, turns out he he was responsible for writing episodes of Children's Ward, which I hated as a kid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just putting it out there. But no, he you know he'd been writing for decades. Obviously, made a huge name for himself with Queer as Folk. I think that was you know because that that was big big news when that first came out in the late nineties. Yeah. Um, and then it's just been a constant momentum of just really well-received, incredibly popular programs. It started off with Queer as Folk, and that had two series. Um, you had Bob and Rose, uh, which I think now has actually you know, some people may have forgotten, but that you know that was popular. That was on ITV. Um, uh, oh, what was it? what was that name? Was it Second Coming with Christopher Eccleston? I don't know. Uh, but he did the series where basically Christopher Eccles, it's like the, the second coming of Jesus Christ, but it's sort of secular. And anyway, but he did that. Then obviously with Doctor Who, uh, he also did uh, Casanova. So, you know, all these things which were immensely popular, but then obviously Doctor Who, I think, really put his name forward. And then when he left, there were, again, uh, very popular programs that he did on Channel 4. There was a series where uh, Cucumber, Banana and Tofu... Yeah, that was originally uh, going to be a US show, um, because he, with the Stars Network, um, they did Miracle Day. Oh yes, I forgot. Yes, yes, they did. 
and the he, he had a deal that he was going to do that and then he was going to do um cucumber banana thing mm-hmm. um over there but then of course um for personal reasons he um his partner got ill so that, oh, okay. that, that all changed oh i didn't i, I didn't know anything about that uh... oh, well torchwood would have continued i believe um but his partner was diagnosed with cancer, so they returned to the UK um, to care for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and he did and he, he recover? No, he has passed since then. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. So, um, oh. so yeah, he's in a different place in his life, I guess, Russell now. Yeah. Um, oh, that's that's sad. Mm. I didn't I didn't know that. Mm. Um, but in terms, it feels a bit trivial to, to have to you know hearing that his partner sadly passed away. But I remember watching, uh, I don't think I watched Tofu, but I remember watching uh, Cucumber and Banana. They were actually quite good. I enjoyed watching those. And then uh, there was one which was, uh, uh, I think it was supposed to be set in five years in the future. I think this would have come out around about like maybe 2017, 2018. I can't for the life of me remember what the show was called, but I remember a lot of people talking about that. So, yeah, I, I do think he actually, he, he, he is a household name. Yeah. And what about Chibnall? Because when the 13th Doctor stuff was due, I remember a lot of people saying, you know, you know Chibnall, the guy who did Broadchurch. <laughs> and, and they were thinking, well, there's there's someone really good coming in here to write this. It's going to be quite quality stuff. Mm. And I remember at the time saying to people, why don't you just say Chibnall of Torchwood? <laughs> you know? <laughs> oh. <laughs> why does it have to be Chibnall of Broadchurch, you know? But I mean, Broadchurch was like he's done Doctor Who before. Why did you just say Chibnall of Doctor Who? Yeah, but Torchwood I mean, veteran. <laughs> yeah, but I think I think actually it was good marketing because it was sort of like it wasn't something that was. I mean, yes, he'd, he we knew we know that he'd written for Doctor Who and Torchwood. Yeah, but this is, Broad, this is what I was saying to people's faces, though. I was saying, you know, he's done it before. Yeah, but I mean, Broadchurch. I mean, it was good marketing, and Broadchurch was a very well respected and very popular television show um at the time so yeah i could see why that you know why that would be the focus yeah we all know how that went so yes yes we do but uh <laughs> it'll be different this time it will be different um, this time. And and i've and, just uh, remembered what i was going to talk about last time Ah, right, okay, good, good. It was regarding spin-offs because Russell's came out and kind of reaffirmed his desire to do spin-offs. Okay. Um, yeah, so you're saying, well, like, Star Trek's doing it now, Marvel's doing it, um, he can do it. Yeah. I don't know it's if a- it would be, whether or not it would be BBC stuff or Disney Plus exclusives. I don't know. My main thing, I've got, I've got actually, I've got no issue with it being a thing. Um, um, you know, I remember, you know, when it was sort of hinted at maybe Doctor Who would be going in this direction, sort of humming and ahhing a bit. But really, I'm not that fussed. Uh, do it, it's fine. Uh, my only thing would be, as long as I can still watch Doctor Who. Uh, and not have to watch like several other shows in order for the main one to make sense. Yeah, I that mean, that that that's my only thing. I mean, other uh, shows are doing that where 
they rely on each other. Let well look at Star Wars for example. Um, Mandalorian season three starts next month. Mm-hmm. Now, if you finish watching Mandalorian season two and go to season three, you'll not know what the hell's going on because you have to watch the Boba Fett show in between. Right. Okay. And I think that that's my only thing that I wouldn't be keen on. Really, I mean, it's entirely selfish, really. But what it comes down <laughs> to is, um, I don't really watch an awful lot of television. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, obviously, I, I watch it a bit, but I actually find, in the grand scheme of things, I actually find it a bit of an effort. I have to really want to sit down and and watch something in order to do it. Okay. And and obviously, Doctor Who's still one of those things. Still interested in it. Still would like to watch it. Really want to enjoy it. If you have all these uh, spin-offs and I'm having to watch it in order for Doctor Who to make sense, it, it uh, it's going to put me off, basically. Yeah. yeah, I get that. Personally, um, I don't agree because I quite like the idea of it. I, I, I kind of see how it can be damaging if one relies on another. Hmm. Um, but I, I thought it was fun when we had little little crossovers. Yeah, no, 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 I, I agree with that. Uh, um, but the thing is, it was. I thought it was. I thought it was done in a way in which. Um, I, I think they handled it well with Torchwood because at the time, I yeah. think it was on some of the episodes of Torchwood Declassified, the confidential version of Torchwood. Um, there were certain questions being raised about Jack's past and where he's been since the Partner of the Ways, hmm. and he kind of said, "Well." These are all questions for Doctor Who. We'll not handle it in Torchwood, but we'll kind of tease upon it. Yeah. Uh, so they were respectful to some things in in that way. Well, actually, I mean, I think this is a good thing because it the Torchwood and Doctor Who did weave into one another. Um, but it was done in a way which I think is actually quite skillful because I wasn't watching Torchwood when it was originally broadcast. I was watching Doctor Who. I was aware Torchwood was happening, but wasn't watching it. Um, There were references to Torchwood within Doctor Who. But it didn't... I wasn't confused by it. No. Similarly, I think that if you were watching Torchwood and you weren't watching Doctor Who, Torchwood still makes sense. Oh yeah, totally. But you, but then at the same time, you can watch you can watch Doctor Who and you can watch Torchwood, and you can get the references, and that can enrich your viewing experience, which is great. But you can watch them separately as well. That's actually quite a skillful thing to do, really. I think. Yeah. Same with the Sarah Jane Adventures. Yes. Like, like my yeah, oldest ex- daughter used to love mm-hmm. that. Yes. Yeah. She yeah, didn't exactly. care about Doctor Who. Yeah. But um, the whole thing was presented from. The perspective of these kids who are new to this world, um, mm-hmm. not new into the world, not like babies fresh out of the womb. I mean, new. <laughs> I <knew laughs> they're thrust into the Doctor yeah, yeah. Who universe, yes. but it's self-contained. Yeah, and you know, you you got references in in Doctor Who to the Tricksters, or something being similar to the Tricksters. Interesting reference. You don't have to have watched the Sarah Jane Adventures in order. You know, you're not lost. No. By that reference, at the same time you are aware of the Sarah Jane adventures and you hear the doctor talking about the tricksters and doctor who you get what he's talking about that's the approach i would like them to take personally um yeah what one but one thing i have with crossovers that depend on each other um 
it's fair enough when it's come when it's been broadcast in viewing order. But when you look, let's look at um, Star Trek of the nineties. Um, you had the Next Generation, mm-hmm. um, and then Deep Space Nine overlapped that. Next Generation ended, then you had Voyager overlapping that. <laughs> if you want to watch them in the order that they came out, in case there's a crossover element, you'd have to go and research that. Um, same with Marvel. I think Disney Plus has got a nice, nice way of listing things in viewing order. And I think Netflix is starting to do that as well. Okay. So, so the, they'll they'll kind of introduce they'll they'll suggest what to watch, but episode by episode between different shows, um, it can be a bit of a logistical thing that may put people off if it's too intertwined. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've got to find out what crosses over with where. Like, say someone new is coming into Doctor Who, and that they're, they're not aware of when Torchwood and Doctor Who coincide, they'd have, they'd have to go and research that, wouldn't they? Yeah, I suppose they would. Um, I don't think it would take a lot of research to no. to find out, but no, no, I know what you mean. Uh, but, but, but yeah, really, as long as it's not too complicated. Yeah, but really at the end of the day, it's sort of like Doctor Who's going into uh, a new era and at the same time, television habits are going into a new direction yeah do you think he was ahead of the game like he claims like well yeah i mean to well yes and no um i think what russell t davis recognized was the what he recognised actually was, obviously because he's a fan, but what makes Doctor Who and what's good about it. And actually, you can make this much bigger. John Nathan Turner, funnily enough, had that. I mean, I think we forget about it, but there was that attempt in the 80s of making a spin-off series, which would have been K9 and Company. And the funny thing is, that nearly did happen. What happened was we had the pilot, which is the uh, which is the episode that we have, and it got a, I think it had like 8 million viewers when it when that was first broadcast. Yeah. Um, and uh, the upper echelons of the BBC were very keen to, to go ahead with it. But then what happened was there was a change and then the new people who had taken over just weren't keen on it. And so it was just like, oh, we're not going to be doing that. It, interesting, it very nearly happened. But anyway, the point being is that John Nathan Turner recognised uh, that there was, you know, some potential of doing a, doing a, spin-off series yeah. of Doctor Who. Russell T. Davis relaunches the show and recognizes, you know, and, and and shows that it can happen and you can do it uh it doesn't just have to be one spin-off. You can have a few and they can be successful. Mm. Um so yeah, I'll be let's face it, it is gonna happen. And I am interested to see what is going to happen and how it will work. But I yeah. think I think it'll be I think it'll be a couple of years. Yeah, maybe because I think what will happen is uh, we've got the 60th anniversary. That's this new BBC Disney thing. People are going to watch it excited. Then we're going to have finally the, the, the full proper season with a new Doctor and all the rest of it. I think it will be a successful one. I think people will respond to it favourably. But obviously we don't know that until we get that first series. Once we get that reaction, 
and they know what they're doing, then I think we'll start to see, right, we're going ahead with the spin-offs. Yeah. Because Russell T. Davis must have very firm ideas of ideally what he would like to do if this is a success. Yeah. Um, and I wonder if they do any spirituals, like successors to Torchwood, or like bring in different characters from that. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the thing as well. For for all my sort of um, going... Because as I said, I would love spin-offs and... I think we all have our certain ideas of what we would like. You know, in our ideal world, I would love this. I would love... At, even if it's one season, ideally we would have two or three of Paul McGann. Yeah. Well, that's, that's a slightly different question because... There's spin-offs with other characters. Mm-hmm. And then with Paul McGann, he is the Doctor. So in that respect, you're fragmenting the main show. Yeah, that is true, actually. Yeah, and why, yeah. why is it a spin-off? Why is it not the main show? That's How do you distinguish? And then do you have two running parallel to one another? Like, like Batman, because I don't know how much of the new DC shakeup you're aware of. James Gunn <laughs> probably I haven't got a clue well I'll tr- I'll try and summarise it very briefly because you might okay. not be interested um, but um, you know the state of the DC films since Man mm. of Steel yeah um, you know we had the Justice League then it kind of went off the rails the mm. ca- and because it's a shared universe you can't just stop this train from moving because some, some are successful like Aquaman and mm-hmm. some are less yeah. successful. Um, and what do they do with this big franchise now? How do they re- reboot it when certain elements are still are still going? Um, so there's a guy called James Gunn who um, directed all the Guardians of the Galaxy films over at Marvel and wrote them. Yeah. Um, he did the reboot of well, it's a kind of a semi sequel reboot of Suicide Squad. Um, he also writes and directors and creates an amazing DC show called Peacemaker with John Cena, which um, the character spins off from the Suicide Squad. Um, so he kind of dabbles in both Marvel and DC. Okay. Now, with Marvel, if you want to compare the two, you've got a guy called Kevin Feige, who is the he's like the CEO of like Marvel Studios. Um, and he... he um, overlooks the whole creative process, the narrative of the films. DC didn't quite have someone like that, um, at least not someone who was like a storyteller. So James Gunn is now the head of the DC films. Okay. And he is going to do a reboot um, to an extent. We have a new Flash film coming out, which is going to, I think conveniently that's going to help with that. You know, the, the one with Michael Keaton in. Yes, yeah, so I'm aware tra- of that. The trailer yeah, yeah. did come out recently. Mm-hmm. Um, and that might likely reset the universe. But uh, because DC has a multiverse, um, we are going to get a light reboot. So he's doing, he's going to work on DC at least for the next 10 years. And that's broken up into, into chapters one and two. And chapter one is going to kick off with a new Superman, not Henry Cavill. So he's a new clean slate. Elements from the old, um, old films um, might be carried over, um, like do 
new universe um, counterparts of them, like variations or like a spiritual sequel kind of thing. But uh, yeah, it's clean slate, so we're going to have a new. We're going to have a new Superman. Um, and this is the point I was going to get to. The, there's going to have a new Batman. So there's a film called The Brave and the Bold, and it's going to be a Batman and Robin film. Okay. So there's going to be a new Bruce Wayne cast. Mm-hmm. But they're not going to stop the Robert Pattinson's films, which are set on their own Earth. Oh God! Right. So, so now, now we've got. We've got retroactively, we've got Michael Keaton back. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we are, we are definitely going to have a main Batman, which is going to be someone new, in mm-hmm. his own films. But we're also going to have the Robert Pattinson Batman films. It right. just to stop confusion, they won't be released any less than six months apart. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I can see. Yeah. Um, that, so that, that was the point I was going to get to. This absurd thing where there's going to be two main Batman releasing films. Yeah, that that is actually and, and absurd. I was just trying to compare that with having a new Doctor, and having a new series, and no, no, Pomegranate, yeah. Yeah, I get that. That's actually a, a very good point. And it's, an, so... it's an interesting thing to happen, storytelling-wise. I mean, if you've got the money to go to the cinema to see them all. Yeah, but, but I mean, it's... I mean, I have a problem with superhero... Well, I, did, I have a problem with superhero movies. I haven't got a problem with superhero movies. I have got a problem with just how saturated uh, the cinema market is with them. I'm fatigued by it all, really. Are you feeling that and, fatigue? Uh, yeah, and that conversation... Nothing to do with you, Rob. I think you actually summed that up really well. But... <laughs> That whole conversation has really exhausted me. And the thing is, it's sort of, I love Michael Keaton as Batman. Batman uh, and Batman Returns in particular are two of my all-time favourite films, and they're also very important to me. I mean, Batman's the very first film I generally fell in love with. Um, and I love Michael Keaton's performance as Batman. Him having... Co- I know there was the whole thing with Batgirl and all that madness, but I know we're still getting him in The Flash. Yeah, and also he, he starred in the next Aquaman film, which had been re- reshot with... Ben Affleck. Uh-huh. So so Ben Affleck, he's still he's still got films he's he's still got some stuff to come out. So it's like it's or, a mess. already we've got three active Bruce Waynes at the cinema uh-huh. with a fourth on the way. Jeez. I couldn't just... wait to tell my wife because she <laughs> she hates the whole mess. Like, why can't they just stick with one actor? No, well so she's right. It's I lo- just... I love to tease her with this, like well, <laughs> Ben Affleck is still Batman. But Robert Pattinson is Batman. No, Michael Keaton, he's back as Batman. <laughs> I couldn't wait to tell her that all this is still going on while the cast and new Batman. <laughs> I mean, it is. It is actually quite fun. But it's just oh, friggin' hell. It, yeah, it, it's a mess. Yeah. And anyway, go back with all this going on. I should be really excited that Michael Keaton's coming back. And, you know, that, that nostalgia thing, but generally appreciating him as an actor. Mm-hmm. Saying, oh well, I wonder what they're going to do, you know, do with it and all the rest of it. But I'm not as interested, I think, as I should be, because mm. there's there's nothing really special about this anymore. We're just we're getting too much of it. The whole thing's a colossal mess. Yeah, already. Um, the the guy who plays the Flash, mm. um, he he assaulted someone and he's he's been on the run and. He, it looks like he won't be doing any promotion for the film because they've they've got him now. <laughs> he's, he's getting therapy for stuff. Are you serious? Yeah. So there's a whole thing of should they even release the Flash? 
Well, I think that's silly. Yeah. And um, if there but... is going to be, if he is, if he will return to the role, um, that's that's a question for the future. Um, so they've cast the, someone as the, they've cast the, someone stu- as the Flash to launch a series, and they may actually have to recast them before yeah. it's even started. And the guy who played Cyborg in Justice League, he was meant to be a major player in the Flash film, right? Um, but because because um, of all the legal stuff between him and Warner Brothers, they've they've, they've stopped that. Why? What's uh, going on there? Or do I want to know? Well, there was the whole thing with Joss Whedon, the guy who made Buffy and directed Avengers 1 uh-huh. and 2. Yeah. He, he stepped in to direct, um, well, to redirect the Justice League film because it was directed by Zack Snyder, who did Man of Steel. He uh-huh. had this big DC plan. Um, sadly, Zack Snyder's daughter committed suicide, but mid-production of Justice League. So he stepped mm-hmm. away from that. Joss Whedon came in, reworked the whole film, uh, which um, also um, killed the future plans for the franchise, keeping it all connected. Um, but uh, Joss Whedon was reportedly abusive on set, um, bullying kind of kind of behavior. And then everyone came out from like Buffy and said he's always been like that, and same in Marvel. But hang on, when we say when we say bullying, I mean what we're talking about. It's like this. Do you know the whole thing about Dominic Rab? No. Oh, right, wait. So do- is it? Is this? Maybe I do. Is this? Play- yeah, so, politics, so, politics guy. Yeah. So right, sorry, I, I really don't pay any interest, but I vaguely know. No, 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 fair enough. Right, okay, so there was all this report that, that's coming out from civil servants in particular saying that Domin- Dominic Raab is particularly ve- is like very unpleasant to work with and he bullies people. And you just go, oh, right, okay, we've got another one I've got to deal with. Right, and then all these reports coming out about what this bullying consists of. And you're reading this and going, that's not bullying. If, you're, if you think that's bullying, then uh, I'm sorry, but it, you really need to get a grip. Mm. Basically, what it is is that if he isn't happy with the quality of someone's work, he's made it clear. But I'm not talking about he's made it clear in terms of like shouting abuse at them and all the rest of it. Or what he said is like, I'm sorry, but this is this is really not good enough. We need, and and that's it. That's the bullying. Right. That that's that's not bullying. That just sounds like a conversation. That's a co- yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's just going, God, yeah. what the hell's going on? It's just like, <laughs> so uh, no, yeah. just we didn't. It was more. But, right. It's more, um, okay. I forgot what the point was. I'm lost there, in a mess. Is there any point? It's just it's just a complete mess. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um. So yeah, Flash. <laughs> Jeez. So yeah. Anyway, to go back to the point. Yeah, maybe you. I think ideally it would be nice to see Paul McGann coming back. But you yeah. actually, you make a good point and just going as nice as it would be. It probably needlessly complicates everything. Yeah, and keeping in mind it's just like you've got a main show and then spin-offs. Yeah, I think we've it's got slight want, slight really. confusion at the moment because well, I don't know if anybody's confused, but I'd imagine if I only had a vague understanding of the show, I'd be conf- I'd be, I might be confused like why there's two new doctors, mm. David Tennant and um, Shoot Gatwa. Yeah. Yeah, uh, the, you know that 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 could cause a bit of confusion, because mm. um, there's a bit of an overlap there. But uh, who knows? Just bring Paul McGann back. Just do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah just do it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. you brought David Tennant back again. <sighs> no, sorry, yeah. I, I am actually looking forward. To it. Yeah. Just, well, yeah, it me is too. Be good, and I'm really looking forward to it. But it's sort of 
yeah come on mm. one from Kambach yeah he's a good actor I know he's going to be too old soon he still looks bloody good for his age I mean yeah. how old is he is he in his 60s or something I don't know I should know this I mean he looks better than me yeah <laughs> I'm in my 30s <laughs> uh, so yeah uh, but yeah very good yeah. actor well I'm sorry everyone <laughs> but uh, yeah we didn't have any insight no, I've enjoyed the conversation though. Yeah, it's good. I think, uh, it's we we nice. should reserve this part of the show and just talk about whatever we want. Yeah, yeah we should. It's just like, yeah, the rambling bit of the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Unlike the rest of the podcast. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was good though. Maybe um, can we maybe try and get some guests on too? Yes, I would like that. Yeah, yeah. Good. Okay. Mm-hmm. Do it. Well, um, we've hit the two and a half hour mark now Nelly so um, we'll say goodbye and we'll be around for State of Decay next week yes yeah no no we'll make it's next week let's do it okay yeah we're doing it yeah okay, next week great yeah. okay bye everyone bye everyone